When the Ogor Ma tribes march to war, the ground shakes beneath a rolling avalanche of unwashed flesh. Living embodiments of gluttony, Ogors worship the ever-hungry Gorka Morka, whom they call the Gulping God. By stuffing their gaping mouths with raw meat, bone, and whatever else they can get their greedy hands on, they give praise to their ravenous deity. The Maw tribes are the great host of Ogor kind, comprising two distinct cultures, brutal gutbuster Ogors and savage beast claw raiders from the frozen wastes. United in ceaseless hunger, they embark on a vast, circular maw path, devouring all in their way and leaving behind nothing but ash and dust. As the after-tremors of the shyish necroquake scour the lands and the minions of the death god Nagash rise from their graves in untold numbers, the maw tribes found a new source of food. Rotten carrion and age-old bones may be an acquired taste, but an ogor's cast-iron gut can digest far more unpalatable things. Frost-rimmed giants lumber to war upon shaggy-furred monstrosities, the fury of the supernatural Everwinter racing close behind. Cannon-hefting lead belchers and bellowing hordes of sweaty ogor gluttons charge towards the enemy, drool spilling between their yellowed fangs. When battle is met, the Ogors do not wait before sinking their teeth into their prey, tearing out chunks of flesh even as they batter and bludgeon away with oversized weapons. There is nothing that the Ogre Maw tribes cannot eat, nothing that they fear save the aching of an empty stomach. They are the hunger of Gorka Morka made manifest, and they will consume the realms entire. Welcome to the Garage Tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you guts, hunger, and an insatiable appetite for flesh and blood. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Fat Bastard. That was a terrible accent. That was the worst Mike Myers impression ever. I just did that off the top of my head. And you know what? As a Canadian, uh, as a Canadian I'm thoroughly disgusted with that. <laughs> that was pretty terrible, Dave. <laughs> Oh, I was—I totally had a different one in in my head, and then I was like, "Oh, we're doing ogres. I shouldn't be doing some weird anime reference." And that yeah, was terrible. Like, I think that was actually racist to, to Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Myers is kind of just a racist thing towards Canadians, but hey, you guys gave us. Um, oh, what's his name? He's uh, Brian Adams. Yeah, so you, you're yeah, still apologizing. Well, yeah, that's okay though. <laughs> we gave you uh, Nickelback. You gave us Nickelback, and you should, you, yeah. yeah. We should never stop slapping you. By the way, folks, um, that's Chris Brosca. Brosca um, of, yep. of Minnesota legendary fame, uh, master painter, um, guy who knows how to add a couple of white dots to the end of the, the big maw to, to make it pop, if you remember last time. Do you know how much feedback I got on that thing when people went and looked at the picture and said, when you were talking about the little white dot at the end of all the spikes to make it pop? Oh yeah, right. No, I do not. A ton of people. Like I, I mean, yeah, a, okay, for a ton it. for tell this me, show. Tell me, how, tell me how great I am. I Keep got going. no. Okay, <laughs> for this show, we might get three or four emails an episode. I got five emails just about the white highlighting. Oh, funny. Yeah, like, that's that. That's the trick, kids. You put that one and you slide that card in the deck. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was great. Okay, hey, welcome everyone to episode. 233 of Garage Hammer. It's time for the lore of the Ogre Maw tribes. So, 
who better to have on than a fat guy, one of the playtesters, and a guy who's been playing them for a while now. Broska, how long have you been playing the Ogres? Since the day before they were released. My my ex-girlfriend went to the GW shop and she conned them into selling her the stuff the day before official release. Way back in, I don't know, in early 2000s? Edition? Sixth edition. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, the tail end. end. Yeah. Okay, so Chris Brasca has officially been playing Ogres longer than anybody else, with the exception of yeah. possibly GW employees. Yeah, way longer than your mom. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right, so, um, hey, quick, though, before we, uh, before we jump into this lore, which uh, is actually, uh, they filled it out a little better than I expected, uh, since it's basically eat, kill, repeat, um, we should probably thank the sponsors and stuff like that, shouldn't we? Absolutely. All right. So, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Superstore. Right, right. <laughs> Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. See, Canada gave us that too. Yeah, Canada. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, Six Squared's in Canada. They're like uh, right up by uh, near near uh, Niagara Falls. Actually, not near oh. Niagara Falls, but they're up that that way near there. Um, and uh, when we went to Canada, they took us out, showed us uh, showed us the sites. And the best part is because they're so close, they can ship without international fees because they can go right over the border and ship to you they, through New they York. They literally just take like a running toss. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's pretty cool. close, yeah. Yeah. And then Grognards Games in Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognards. I love it. I can't help myself. Also, let's not forget the Patreon patrons over at patreon.com slash garage hammer the almost one percent who make everything we do on this show possible and that includes our associate producers phil elliott dwight sims christopher sanders and lance pear our executive producer colin miller oh let me say that the right colin miller let's say it without hiccuping in the middle of it and our newest patron and get this i got his name right this time gray ghost matt mccord our newest patron thank you all for being part of the 1% who make this show and all the cool things that we get to do on it possible. Time out. What? Is Matt McCord the Grey Ghost, or is it Grey Ghost, Matt McCord? Um, well, okay. I thought for a minute his name was like Grey Ghost, but it was like German or something. It just It just came out that dope. That would be awesome. But it literally, when I got the message, it says Grey Ghost, and then there's a dash, and then it says Matt McCord. So, unless that's like a, a supposed to be a one gray ghost one Matt McCord, I suppose it could be. I'm not certain. I'm no, just, it's fine. But hey, at least I called him by his name as opposed to uh, poor Davis. <laughs> Who yeah. I, yeah. Hey, you know what? Hey, he guys on the Facebook page. He said it was all good. So guess what? It's all good. Yeah, that's good. Cool. <laughs> so, Dave, Moving on. What if? I wanted to leave a voicemail for the show. Do we have that thing? Is it a thing we do? We have. We just we got voicemail. Did I? I got. Yes, I got this. I got this right here. Uh, what's the number? I got it here somewhere. We one seven five seven G H show six. It's one seven five seven G H show six. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail about pretty much anything, uh, call one seven five seven G H show six. Um, we do have one voicemail that came in, but we're doing lore and war, and as you know, we sort of 
try to get all of this stuff into this with we're already breaking into two episodes so voicemails will be saved for next episode um yeah that's that's the plan but thank you to those who uh have called in and left messages because you guys know how much i love voicemail so there we go um and i think that's it for the intro stuff well it was really quick this week unlike last week when i had to explain all my dumb thanos references and stuff so um you know what why don't we do this then since we uh, said hi and everyone's getting uh getting into the seats and getting ready um let's jump into it let's jump into it we can uh we'll uh just kind of get uh first impressions from you guys and then we'll do the break and then we'll really jump into the lore okay uh chris you're the Ask guest me a question what just overall first impressions of the book in general like you've been playing it for a while what do you like what do you like him it's literally the first book that isn't garbage. I love it. <laughs> For ogres, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, know. The 8th good... edition book was pretty nasty. Yeah, but that's the thing. All it was was Mornfang. You know, like, it was like a one-trick pony. This book, there's lots of opportunities to do cool stuff. There's lots of different play styles you could look into. Like, I, I really dig it. Yeah, I was a little bummed there's no real new model releases yet, although that rumor mill image makes me think we might be getting a new Slaughtermaster or something cool. Yeah, um, I saw that. I was hopeful myself. The internet thinks it's a giant. I think it's a Slaughtermaster. I'm, I'm remaining fa- hopeful. Um, I, I think it's great. I love it. What do you think, Alex? Um, so I've also played Ogres for about as long as you have in various iterations. Um, this one is arguably my favorite. Um, not just from playstyles, but also thematically, because the entire time for Age of Sigmar, we've been kind of like trying to figure out where exactly the ogres fit, and turns out that they actually made it work. I was really concerned about them trying to link them to Gorka Morka, yeah, um, but that is something that they have done very well. And then obviously, there's just a ton of different playstyles, and they're taking a again a smaller model range, and then really fleshing it out with options. I couldn't agree more, buddy. Nice. Yeah. Um, I kind of I'm in the same boat. They, they did. I think they did exactly what they did for the orc uh, book. Um, the orcs, you know, taking the two the two separate. You know, we have these guys over here and these guys over here. And let's put them all back together in one big group and let you play it how you want it. I loved seeing yeah. that. Um, I was also wondering how they're going to tie to Gorka Morka, but I knew they had to because you can't do the Great Maw again. Because, that, I mean, that was literally like, didn't somebody call down a comet on them and then it smashed into the... I mean, I'm, I'm going back to old world lore here. I thought Yeah, it, I mean, that, that, that was the, the crux of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, that was the Great Maw in general was that comet. Right, it yeah. hit the ground, caused the thing. We didn't know if it was an alien creature or some sort of thing in there, but there was this radiating out this weird energy this call to all those and you, you can't that that lord doesn't port over because what are you going to do have no. somebody else drop another comet like in one of the realms it just that was so old world specific they had to do something to fix it up and i, and I like what they did with it so mm-hmm. and, yeah, agreed so um well we're all pleased and so there's your there's your preview folks we're gonna take our first quick break and when we come back we are going to dive into dissecting one of these big bad boys uh, right when we come back. Oh, well, there's, there's more to do. I thought we were done. Oh, oh did you? 
Yeah, I thought we nailed it. Once oh, again, okay. uh, as we said before. I, I guess there's more to talk about, guys. See you soon. Proving you never listen to the show, and that's quite all right. <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Right, folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back. The hungry, hungry, hungering hordes. It didn't work as well as I thought it would. <laughs> it worked better than me being fat bastard. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, um, Maw Path. They're gonna. Let's just start here at the beginning. It gives a nice little bit of background here. Now, uh, this first part's pretty important because this is they, they jump right in to tie this in. Their destruction and all destruction praise to Gorka Morka now. I kind of like that they unified this under something. It's not just like, well, we have nowhere else to put them. Put them in destruction. Mm-hmm. But this is a different aspect of Gorka Morka. They see him differently compared to either the Gloom Spike Gits or the War Clans. Well, they and all kind of... Then- they all see him differently, which, and that's fine. This is way different than the other ones. But, oh, uh, yeah. But at least it's still Gorka Morka. You know what I'm saying? They, they, mm-hmm. th- they've, they've chosen the god they worship as the thread, which works because death is all about Nagash, and chaos is the four gods, and, you know... Five. Oh, five. Sorry. Forget about him sometimes. And then uh, I know, obviously, order is kind of all over with Sigmar sort of leading the pack, but... So See, I'd be the one who would disagree with that, though. I, I would have been okay with destruction being the one Pathion that is kind of random, because it is destruction. They're all nuts. They're just out to wreck stuff. So if they did create a version of the Maw again that was sort of like AOSified, I think I would have been cool with that. Uh, instead of just like, okay, you worship this, you're, you're t- everybody's team has its own deity or whatever. I think destruction is the one place where there's a little room to flex. So I did like the fact that they were like, okay, this, it's sort of Gorka Morka, but yeah, like Alex said, it's kind of its own version of it, you know? Yeah, the gulping god or the great beast that consumes the realms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, he was so ravenous that gobbling down mere creatures no longer sated his hunger. He just began to chew upon the realms themselves, mountains, canyons, volcanoes. Uh, they were all formed because Gorka Morka was just eating the realms, and that stuff was happening. Uh, ropey strings of drool uh, 
got into the bite marks and made underground pools, which from which emerged the first of ogre kind. Ogre kind were born in underground pools, cavernous pools of Gorkamorka's uh, drool and spittle. <laughs> yeah, that was coming off. Just now, picture him just grabbing chunkfuls of realm and chewing on them in such a such a, a a gross fashion that just drools coming out in in lakes. Yeah, and this, this is my number one army, the one made out of goobers. <laughs> Great. So, because they believe they came from his drool, they are living embodiments of his hunger because they came from the saliva from him eating. His digestive douche, digestive Di- juices, juices, not <laughs> douches. That's, I don't know. <laughs> The D got stuck. I'm sorry. The D got stuck in the douche. That's this is going all out of control. Edited so far out. (laughs) Oh god. Uh, So the digestive juices flooding across the land, softening the realms, so they may eventually be consumed. So this is where they come from. Um, And during the Age of Myth, they fought in Gorkamorka's armies, fighting with the. Alongside with orcs and, and other things, just running around, eating everything they could get their, their hands on, basically. Well, and also whoever would pay them. Yes. You know, like it was. it's cool how they still sort of maintain, because in the original book back in 6, there was a lot of talk about them being mercenaries, and they were guys for hire and whatnot. And I believe man-eaters, you could, back then, you could take them as, like, a mercenary company and other armies. Oh, sure. Uh, so it's you cool could take how most of the book. As mercenaries, yeah, that, that's what I would. Yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah, but um, I, I, I like that. There's a callback to that. That even in the lore, they're like, oh yeah, and by the way, these guys will just work for ribs. <laughs> yep. Um, in fact, I like in here that uh, they talk about how when Gorkamorka and Sigmar got done a fighting and they kind of teamed up for a while, the ogres were told they could not eat Sigmar's people and. Oh. We're happy with that. No, they were quite annoyed, and th- and they're like they're like weird junkies too. Like you tell them they can't have something, and it start they start to crave it until it's they can't control it. Um, yeah. and so they got really, and so sometimes they would get in a little a little bit of trouble because sometimes they'd lose control and eat some of Sigmar's people. But you know what are you going to do? Sigmar's people yeah, apparently are tasty. Yeah. Um. Now, the during they actually thrived pretty much during the age of chaos because they just ate everything. Literally, whatever you threw at them, they ate. They would eat. They would eat the the humans that didn't make it to his ear when he closed the gates. They'd eat him. If the forces of chaos showed up, they'd eat them. Yeah, I uh, actually really like that. How it was like it's already bad enough that you know. Uh, the good guys have retreated to Azir. Everybody's taken off. And it's bad enough the chaos gods are just raining hell down on the realms. But now all these fat guys are just going mental because now there's no rules and they're just eating everybody. Yeah. And because and- they're nomads, because they're constantly out moving where the food is, just eating their way across and then coming back when it's been repopulated. They actually were able to survive because you couldn't pin them down. It wasn't like chaos attacking a city or things. It was just these crazy wandering armies that you really, 
I mean, and and they they were on nobody's side but their own. They were just filling their bellies, which is just I really enjoyed this. Um, many- well, in fact, it felt like they didn't even notice. Like all this stuff happened, and they're just like, "Oh, okay, cool. Oh, things are better now. Oh, okay. Oh, things are bad again. Oh, okay." Like they're completely indifferent to their surroundings. They're totally a hundred percent ruled by their appetites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, that's it. That's great. Here, chaos lords offered great bounties of flesh to the Maw tribes in return for their aid in cracking open the last few strongholds, and they were good at that. Um, but then they would get tired of it eventually and if it wasn't working they would just turn around and eat the guy who offered to pay him and that's the biggest risk throughout this book with them is, on the regular dude <laughs> yeah they were literally anytime they're working with you you run a high risk of them eating you as well as everything else it's borderline a guarantee <laughs> yeah. name, name one fluff piece in that entire book where it worked out Oh, yeah. Or they even say, oh, there's some cities where they're like, oh, maybe we'll just give you food. Instead of eating us, you'll eat this. And they're like, nope. sure. And then they eat the food you gave them. They're like, is there more food? And you're like, we're out of food. And they're like, well, deal's over. Time to eat you. Yeah. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Um, now, that does go into a couple of bits of information here that I kind of liked. Um, they grabbed a mountain area called the Glut Holds. And uh, these holy places include the Great Maw Fort of the Ogre Hinterlands and all these other places. Many of them are still standing. They are gruesome monuments to hunger and greed, lined with maw-shaped totems to Gorkamorka and dominated by vast feeding pits dotted with blood-stained butcher slabs and cooking fires. Um, they also talk about their whole migration because obviously if you go out and eat... Uh, oh, by the way, these guys can eat everything. Yeah. Rocks, sand, grass, you name it. Yeah. Anything that's pretty much inedible to other races, they can consume it down in enough time. They can eat metal. They can eat – I mean, it's just ridiculous. And they're like, they don't really like it. They prefer meat. But if Yeah, and in some cases, it'll actually affect their physiology. Like a lot of their mounts, like stone horns and stuff, if they're eating lots of rocks and metals, that's how they get their stone and metal skeleton. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, so it'll actually like influence what they are and who they are. It's pretty cool, and that that going to the hobby side offers a lot of opportunity if you're putting them in specific realms for for absolutely, yeah, yeah. So now what they do though is they literally start off from their uh, what do we call it? their glut hold, and they basically go out in a big circle, just eating, destroying, killing everything in their path, uh, and then when they get back home. They have a big feast, a big party with the stuff that they killed, which I have a question about that later. Um, And then they go out on another circle. Of course, this one's wider because they've already eaten everything in the first circle. So it's they just keep going out from that same point, but a a larger oval as it moves farther and farther out. Um, It's crazy. In fact, they got that little picture on, uh, what is it, page nine, showing sort of where they... yeah. The underguts uh, going through the, the land of Gyran. And like how we had talked about earlier, like the gulp, the uh, Great Maw in earlier editions where it's just like this ever-expanding mouth. If you look at the diagram on it, they're essentially creating their own maws with the maw path. It, yeah. Yeah, because they got the circles and I'm like, well, what's all the jaggedy parts? And that's the parts where the, the butchers 
who, much like the ogre shamans, they're very revered and they're very in touch with their god, and it sort of leads them places. And uh, I just I just thought it was cool with the little teeth where they're running off, because at first I'm like, well, why are the teeth in there? But they do explain in the lore how that comes from... It, it, they're, I think that the butcher stuff reminds me so much of the... Uh, the Oryx shamans, how they're yeah. so in touch with him and how they, the, how he leads them. Um, I didn't know if they were trying to tie, to 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 you know tie that destruction bit together a little bit more. Um, yeah, because even the fungoid cave shamans do it for the gloom spike kids. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's well, it kind of makes sense. They're the cooks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, Guys, you want me to make some dope ribs? There's pigs over there. Let's go do this. It's <laughs> you know? exactly what it is. Now this they week. Got- they got Bobby Flayed cooking for him. <laughs> oh. Crushing it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now, Ugh. I do have one question on this uh, Maw Path thing before we move on towards a little bit farther. Um, it says here, at the culmination of its migratory conquest, a Maw tribe returns to the ancient Guthold carrying vast halls of flesh and gore gathered from its raid. So they bring back all this food, right? And they pour it together, and then the butchers go to work, and they have this huge super feast but everything i read in the book these guys are like eating the people while they're fighting them and so they're always hungry i'm like where do where do they stack the, like who carries all this stuff back this is a long journey and i'm not trying to sit here and pick holes and be like well actually i'm not certain how they do that but it just seems like they never stop eating like where do they carry it and how do they not eat it before they get home you could consider it testament to just how much stuff they kill along the way. You know, like we're talking about them wiping out like whole civilizations as they pass. And, you know, and they got hordes and noblars with carts and stuff rolling with them. Like, Oh, that's true. You got to consider the stuff that's not in the Warhammer book for, for models, but, uh, you know, the stuff that shows up in the art. And there's just always a, this army of nobos with them. Like, who knows? Maybe... Maybe they are just uh, packing up a cart and they're making it happen, you know? Yeah. And then they also use the thunder tusks as walking larders, essentially. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they're so cold, they can just hang the meat on them and it stays fresh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. God, that's that's smart, buddy. I didn't even think of that. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's, there's your cunning right there. That's a deep dig right there, buddy. Good one. Well... If you look at the kit, they even have like pieces of meat and humans and other various animals hanging off of the thunder tusk. So, oh, you're right, you're right. That's awesome. See, I but I they they got various pieces of meat hanging off the butcher. They got various pieces of meat hanging off just about everybody. I never thought twice about that. Yeah. Mm. So um, now this is where it got, this is where it gets nice and gross too. Um, the Maw Tribe's butchers channel the power and tear the gory morass of the feasting pits open like a clotted scab. The magical mm. portal forms from piles of coagulated gore, which leads to new and untouched feeding grounds. Thus do the Maw, path, Maw Tribes embark upon a fresh Maw Path. So that's, that's literally how they get the next... Like, once they get back from, you know, being out on, uh, on, their, on the job... The better the feast, the better the portal opens, leading them to better lands for more eating. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they just did a great job, dude, of coming up with cool ways to incorporate. Because, I mean, this could all sound really silly, 
I mean, not that it's like genius or anything, but it's it's pretty smart how they worked out an army that's focused on just feeding and just stuff like that. Like, yeah, the the better the meal they have, the more magic holes that open up to give them more food. Okay, sure, I'm buying. It it like I said, it eat kill repeat. Literally, I mean that first ogre book that was pretty much the lore. Yeah, you know, I mean they're like they're not very clever, they're not smart, they don't have anything even re- remotely assembling art or music or anything. That's why they had bellowers instead of any sort of musicians before. Um, it, they were just, you know, these big hungry things, and there wasn't a ton behind them. And yeah, like you said, they've they, they got they threw in enough little details. That makes it seem real, if not yeah. actually like a credible, legit thing. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't rewrite anything. They just embellished it and tweaked it enough so it works. And it doesn't even feel like they had to, like, AOSify it. Like, there's nothing in there that's any more fantastical than it used to be, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really like the the direction they went with it. I was really impressed because I, I was worried for a while there, dude. Like, we've been waiting on this book for quite some time and i just had this horrible fear that it was just going to come in dumb you know? <laughs> or it was just going to be super light you know what i mean because ogres have never gotten a ton of press uh it's like them and lizard men just seem to get back shelved all the time so um i was really happy when i saw that they, they came up with something that that was clever it was a rework without being a redo you know Right, and they managed to incorporate all the models. That, I mean, it's like you said, it's a it's a it's a it's a small model line, and they're all very yeah. similar. I mean, they're all big, fat guys. It's just the difference is what they're carrying and how much armor they have on them. Yeah, and they managed to make this variety seem legit. I mean, even going through the different um, later on, you go through the different units, and it's like okay, they look similar. You know, there's actually legit differences to them not just i'm bigger so i have a bigger weapon it's like no there's actually stuff going on this is really quite well done i was surprised that uh it you know what the lore was a little meatier than i was expecting it to be oh is that a pun too it's not as good as my bobby flayed no it's not but i figured i gotta i I gotta contribute i gotta i gotta throw something in the pot yeah oh there you go okay keep going (laughs) um so what else is going on here? Um, oh yeah, so apparently, well, then of course you got to bring this up because you've got new. You know, you always got to bring up some of the new stuff. Um, when they do go through places that have been completely ravaged, they will go and dig up graveyards. And uh, or the, yeah, bones or yeah, the feast of bones, which has really apparently ticked off uh, Nagash and the Asiarch Bone Reapers. Because that's theirs. Not impressed. Yeah, the ogres couldn't care less. <laughs> Bring it. I ate all of this, and now I'm going to eat you. Uh, so, um, all right, let's move on to the uh, get get down to the uh, sort of the hierarchy, how their armies are uh, are defined. The war gluts. Yes. So, so uh, it says some war gluts are just a little more than a score of ogres scavenging for food. Some are in the hundreds and more than capable of sack- sacking even heavily defended cities. Um, I love how the large-scale army in here is hundreds. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> thousands. That's all, it, that's all it takes. I mean, but seriously. I mean, okay. 
a lot of these other ones are you know units of thousands of humans or thousands of orcs. And I distinctly remember when we did the uh, corn book where they talked about armies in the millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there we got about 300 ogres and you are in a world of trouble because <laughs> this is and I mean, but you I mean, how many more of them can you get around? You, I mean, if the army gets much bigger, no matter what they attack, there's not going to be enough food to go around. They're literally limited by their own hunger as to how big their right. army can get. Right. Because like at what point do they just turn on each other? Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of reports of them being cannibalistic. Um, yeah. Well, but, I mean, that's the end of every challenge winds up in the victor eating the loser. Mm-hmm. I wish the Olympics was like that. <laughs> I was drinking a soda when you said that. Oh, my Sorry. God. It almost came out my nose. I'm sorry. I wish the Olympics were like that. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. Uh, you know what? Okay, I'm censoring myself. I was about to take that one step further, but that would be more of a when we're sitting around after the games talking and just getting out of line. So, yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Follow up at Wapaka this year so you can hear the <laughs> thrilling conclusion to Dave's joke. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay, so um, as we just as we just mentioned, um, you there is no that's there's no hereditary. Uh, linea- nothing. You don't get to become a tyrant because your dad was. You got to earn it, and you got to earn yep. it by challenging him and eating him when you win. So everything it, it and, and that makes sense. I mean, literally based on their culture. If I'm going to be in charge, I'm going to eat the guy who was in charge. Yeah, and I like how there's almost a sense of uh, keep your enemies close with the iron guts because those are always going to be the first contenders. Uh, to the throne, you know. Right. It's it. Those are the those are the next strongest guys in in you know. Occasionally, a slaughtermaster will it will eat a tyrant to run the show if he thinks the tyrant's a little unhinged. But for the most part, it's somebody from the tyrant's own bodyguard that's going to step up and challenge him. Yeah. So, so he's, it's, it's interesting that he surrounds himself with guys that are all potential rivals, and yeah, they don't give a crap. They'll come at you. Whenever you seem weak, they'll take their shot. Yeah. You know? but so it's, it's a very, like, paranoid culture in a way. Right. It's a very survival of the fittest, and it's also, hey, if you, you have to be strong enough to lead. And if I don't yep. think you are, if I think I can take it, this is how it works. It's It, it, well, it has, like, a beastman and, quality to it. Um, yeah. And the Beast of Chaos had a very similar situation. Yeah. you got to be able to keep the troops fed. That's the most important thing to them. And, you know, it's not, it's not just the strongest. It's who's going to keep everybody fat, right, and happy. Yeah, fat and happy. I and it's it seems like they've got it's almost. I mean, I know we talked uh, when we talked about uh, the the beast claw rate. You know, they had the whole all frost mystical cold following them, and they feel like they've literally inherited their god's hunger. Um, and I just I wonder how much that of like how. I know it's huge. I mean, it's obviously it's most of the book keeps relating to the fact that they're always hungry, but I'm just wondering, like, it's you know when they have a really good meal and they feel sated, how long does that even last? Sounds like a couple of hours at best. Exactly. I mean, it literally sounds like they have to constantly be eating. Like if you're marching to the next place, you're tearing up trees and plants and rock and picking up rocks and just. I mean, 
like you're they're they're at best constantly snacking, you know, or at least. I mean, there's a story in the lore about a tyrant who decides he wants to eat an entire uh, skyship for right. the uh, Cardron overlords, mm-hmm. and he just does it over a couple of days, like <laughs> just to do it. I mean, didn't he that's blow up or something at the end? Yeah, he he did. Yes, he exploded. Yeah, because of the wrong. Because he company. ate the warhead of a bum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they get a taste for a specific type of food too, and then they become really, uh, they they can become obsessed. Yeah, they're they're addicts. Yeah, I mean the one guy who wanted to eat Sylvaneth, so they went down and were burning down forests to force out these guys, and then all of his boys were like, "We're eating weedy elf things and tree things. What are we vegetarians?" It's like, <laughs> really, yeah, actually, that's pretty sweet. They're just like, "This sucks, dude." Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, we want barbecue. Yeah. Oh, there's so many fun little bits like that in this book that make it so much better. Uh, it is great for sure, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, tyrant. Okay, so the tyrant's in charge. His yeah. his word is law on everything except where we going. Uh, that's the slaughtermaster because once again, the guy who's doing the cooking and and putting together all the magic and he's the one in touch with. Uh, the gulping god he knows his will so yes i'm in charge of everything but i don't plot our course i lead us to the thing i will get you good food and good stuff but it's this dude it's the slaughtermaster's job to get them or to uh, point the direction at the very least which is kind of funny you know it seems it seems a little backwards but you know it, it makes sense for their culture. So I have every job know. except actually making the decision on how, where we're heading. Except actually leading. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know. Yeah. We're no, I mean, I don't know. Ask the guy by the microwave. <laughs> Once we get there, I'll set us up. I'll, I'll, I'll put us into teams. I'll, I'll make the strategies for how we're going to crack this nut and start eating it. But I don't know where we're going. Yeah. Uh, they talk in here about, yeah, the iron guts will be his, uh, his, his sort of, now it's not just the iron guts. It's the biggest, meanest iron guts. So the, the elite of the iron guts become his gut guard. Yeah. And like you said, those are the guys who it's going to go after him. Yeah. Right here. Self-interest should not be mistaken for loyalty. However, the great majority of the challenges will come from within the ranks of the gut guard. Um, Yeah. me like you just your own homies are gonna swing at you when you least expect it that's crazy you're constantly looking over your shoulder yeah because you'll get (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's awesome you are only as 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 good as the last conquest and how good the meal was as long as that meal was good you're probably not going to get challenged until you get to the next place and see that there's food or if you don't get there quick enough i'm going to assume that someone's going to get a challenge um, like you said, slaughtermasters on rare occasion have been the ones to overthrow uh, the tyrant if they feel they're not following the will of Gorka Morka. Uh, what else do they mention in here? You got the you know the basic stuff: your lead belchers, your uh, the big gluttons. Bulls are now gluttons. Yeah. So they got yeah. Well, the, they they changed them back to ogres when it when we went into AOS. So right. they dropped bulls back in uh, the old world, which is kind of a bummer. I like the name bulls, but you know what, gluttons works for me too. 
it works, but when they just dropped it to ogres, like when AOS, like you said, when it dropped and they lost, the, and it, I still called them bulls because it's like. Uh, so let's see what else. Oh, um, gorgers. There's a little guy. Oh yeah, gorgers. Right. They are nothing more than re- seen as nothing more than repulsive beasts by their fellow ogres and forced to live on the edge of a war gluts encampment, foraging for scraps of flesh and bone left behind. Um, they are cursed abominations. It doesn't. I don't see uh, why they're that weird, but that comes later when it gets into their part. Um, yeah, they. Uh, in the old book, they were written up as basically they were like the not miscarriages, but they were basically just born the deformed ogres because they're born yeah. without a proper gut. Yes, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. okay. And they throw them in a pit, and the ones that crawl out become gorgers. Otherwise, they just die in this pit. Um, I know we're not doing the war segment this segment, but are gorgers any good in this book? Because I've tried. I I I don't know. I yeah. I I want those. I like the models. Like I have a bunch of those old metal gorgers, and I yeah. like them. I just every time I see anything about this, it's like, oh, they still suck. And I'm like, okay. Um. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll get into that when we do the war thing. Sure. They have a place. It's just. Could it be done better by other things is the issue. That's exactly right. That's what I was going to say, Alex, for sure. There, there's there, there's so much really fast stuff in the book that you don't really need something that, like, deep strikes. You know? Well, you do and you don't. It just, again, depends on how you want to build it. Because you could do a mostly ambush crew with this army. Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, it's true with the skull and stuff, yeah. Anyways, we'll get into that later. Cool. Uh, what else? Noblars. Uh, I like the Noblar. Like we'll get into that a little later. But I like their little. Like well, they've touched up and added into their background a bit. Like exactly how they sort of teamed up with the ogres and and what and what use they are and their little scrap launchers and stuff. Um, well, they're just the crappiest of all goblins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like they're the worst of all goblins in all respects. So they're like, well. We're going to get murdered if we hang out with our own kind. They just hate us. So uh, let's uh, team up with these big guys and uh, try not to get eaten and make ourselves useful. <laughs> and, and they managed it. Yeah. Which is the mm-hmm. best part. Because um, I, I love the scrap launcher model. I don't care. I, I had one of the old rickety, hard-to-put-together ones with the big oh, lump of metal. The worst. The worst. Oh. I had three at one point. Oh, my God. They yeah, were yeah. terrible to put together, but they just were so much fun. They looked so great. Agreed. Uh, and last but certainly not least, the Firebellies, who may wander out of the waste, preaching the word of the Sun Eater, who is their interpretation of the Gulping God. Yeah, uh, and then you I'll got. Love it. Yeah, and Man Eaters, who. Oh, so great. Okay, still some of the best, most interesting models GW has put out are those man eaters in all the different getups. Yep. They're just yep. so much it's fun. The ninja, you got the pirate, the cross dresser, like yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. So uh, uh they're gonna have a tough time topping that, but I, I don't know if that's a thing that's on their list to make new models for. I you know, yeah it's, so it's that's a priority. If it, nothing else, it's a great conversion opportunity. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's always like the one unit in this army that I've seen done with conversions is man eaters, not just because of the cost of the fight and cast ones, but also just they're the ones you can really embellish and do your own thing with. Well, do you remember back in the day there was that dude who was posting photos where he had done a man eater for each race in the old world? So yeah, had, and like, there's been guys that have done it with AOS too. Yeah, like oh, I haven't seen that. I better I better do some digging. Yeah, I don't remember who was posting them. I think it was a GW employee, um, maybe Peachy. It was somebody with GW that had done one for every race in the Mortal Realms. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, Including like cool. Fire Slayers where he sculpted yeah. the Mohawk on him and everything. Cool. Nice. I have no talent at conversions, so I will be finding those old ones or else I will not be using them. Because... Yeah. Get there, buddy. Uh, yeah. Just do it. yeah, none I'm, of us were first. We were all babies at one point. <laughs> that's true. But yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm actually regressing. I have found the joy of uh, contrast paints. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever is quick and easy. Let's go. I'm literally applying some as we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with speed too, buddy. Seriously, I did a, I did a lead, a lead, uh, a lead belcher. Uh, start to not a quite a great finish because I needed to get another layer on of uh, maybe a wash over it, and it wasn't quite dry, but it was like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, he's table standard. He is totally good enough. And you know what? My 13-year-old who just wants to play is going to be tickled by this, and I can crank out an army in a, in, in a month. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it, it tops with this army. So uh, It was Chris Peach, Braska. Chris Peach, cool. Nice. Great work, Chris. Love it. I'm going to have to look that up, too. I am actually quite interested to see what they did with that. All right. So what do we got next? Um, next section, and we'll do this one. We've got the Endless Hunt, and after that, the Everwinter. So we'll talk about this. So we're getting into Beast Claw Raider lore here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and we've covered this before on the show. Basically, the, uh, the, the Everwinter is chasing them. Do we remember why, Alex? They don't exactly explain why the Everwinter's chasing them, uh, because a lot of it has to do with like some sort of possibly like a curse for something that they didn't do. So, yeah, they gave like a couple of scenarios in this book mm-hmm. where it might have been this or it might have been this. Nobody knows. So, <laughs> and it's not exactly. Know, they, they did something. They made Gorka Morka mad, and he cursed them. So run, guys, run. So now they've got the Everwinter the supernatural blizzard that's constantly behind them. So they're always, I mean, they're on the move more than their brethren um, because they have to, because if they stop for too long, they've gotten caught and frozen in their own. I mean, the Everwinter has frozen them solid. Yeah. Which is an interesting part is that that won't kill them either. Um, No, no, it just freezes them. Yeah, but they still are alive, and they still feel their stomachs rumble empty, which is like the worst possible thing you can do to an ogre. Yeah, especially when, uh, uh, as happened in in the book, as you hear later, um, when something I think it was when when Sigmar when the when the uh, Realmgate War started, all that lightning came down and started crackling off all that ice, and then they woke up after being imprisoned in ice for however long. And freaked out. Yes. <laughs> the, the world is different. Yeah. They were starving. I mean, they might have actually been a little bit thin 
You never, you know. Mm-hmm. So these guys are running around, um, and they talk about, oh, yeah, the first Frost King maybe betrayed the Gorkamork or something or whatever it was. Anyway, all you need to know is if you don't know the Beast Claw Raiders, um, it's mostly it's mostly an all-cavalry army, and that's because they're constantly on the move. It's it's I like this lore. Um, it never really comes into play game wise. Right? I never you know, but just the idea that they're coming, and even if you survive, like if you manage to survive, and they eat half your town or whatever, and you've hidden, and they don't catch you, and they move along. Your land has been eaten. The crops are gone. Everything's devastated. And now the Everwinter is coming in behind them and is going to freeze everything solid. So you're still not getting away. Yeah, and uh, how sometimes they'll capture people and just tie them to stakes around uh, wherever it is that they'd sacked to try and appease the Everwinter, too. So you could come, to after being knocked up by an ogre tied to a stick thinking that you got off light and then suddenly this storm rolls in and just freezes you like that's yeah, pretty sweet and didn't i read somewhere in this somewhere that the sometimes they'll leave those people out tied up and let the everwinter sort of roll through and then they'll kind of roll back and then they've got like people sickles <laughs> uh, maybe i don't recall that but i could yeah, have sworn i talked i read something about them just like they'll just eat crunch them up nice nice, nice cold bits other people think they're weird but yeah. somebody like likes to, you know, you can smash him up and just take a shard of nice frozen. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you can eat a rock, you can eat frozen meat. I mean. But it's like an unnatural cold, though. So might yeah. not be the best thing to do. I don't Guys, know. Guys, we've all been that drunk and impatient with a frozen pizza. <laughs> Come on. Who's with me? Hey, that pepperoni's pre-cooked. It's, yeah. it's, it's safe to eat. It's just <laughs> cold. Who's with me? Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm too hammered to work a stove. Ah, crunch. Oh, in fact, here, mm. wait. Um, butchers and slaughtermasters are particularly prized by by the... For they have mastered the art of cooking and seasoning their meat. An enticing concept to their beast claw cousins, who are more used to crunching up frozen meat shards and chewing on weeks-old strips of hide. So, yeah, because was, they card, cut it up, put it on the backs of their creatures and keep moving. I yeah. thought I read somewhere that they went back and just made people sickles, but that could just be my sick imagination. No, that would actually be awesome. It's your world, buddy. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> that, if I ever make this army, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make paint up some guys frozen on sticks and make them part of the display board. Yep, people sickles. Yep. Uh, and then we get a nice little bit of history about the rise of the Svard because they actually have their own words for things and they use them a little bit. Um, and this is the guy who got this is the guy who got frozen, got lured into the path of the Everwinter by the trickery of elven wizards. So this is Frostlard Bragath Varduk. This is actually kind of a cool story. So they tricked him into going like turning around and going into the Everwinter on accident, which froze them and uh, they took care of the problem. And then um when uh yeah, when the Realm Gate War started, the lightning came down, and they there they were in a new world. Um, and he was upset when he woke up, not just because he was starving, but uh, he felt that they had a gut buster over tyrants, sort of over everything, and he was not 
pleased he felt that uh, Beast Claw Raider should have been the the over tyrant. So he, I kind of like that too. How they wrote in like animosity between Gutbusters and Beast Claws that they're not actually really cool with each other. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was kind of cool because the Beast Claws see them as like weaklings because they don't have to endure what they endure with the Everwinter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you wusses, you're not used to the cold and not having to do this. Yeah, it's 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 right on the same page. It's ridiculous, but I think it's great that there's rivalries. That's kind of like how we are when we see like California get snow. <laughs> like as Minnesotans, we're just like, oh yeah, ooh, wow. <laughs> I like how everything shuts down with an inch of snow in Texas. Yeah, exactly. You don't even have to go that far. When I went to southern Illinois, which is, you know, basically at the southern tip of Illinois, I remember we had a freak snowstorm, and there was an inch and a half of snow, and they, like, canceled classes and stuff. Yeah, people lose their minds. And I'm looking around like, what? Like, I'm still in shorts. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't even need, do you have boots? For what? Guys, we might be Beast Claw Raiders. I'm big enough to be one. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. I'm more of a knoblar. <laughs> you could be a gorger if you want. C- certainly a knob, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, basically, he wakes up and he's ticked off at the over tyrants. Um, and so he goes after them. He decides, I'm taking everything back. I want to be, I'm, I'm the Frost King. And I'm going in, um, defeated a bunch of tribes, moves through. Uh, but for him to be completely triumphant, the, the Meat Fist were the guys yeah. who, who were taken in charge. And uh, he went in there and got Glob, I love their names, Glob Glitter Maw over Tyrant of the Meat Fist uh, was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving in. And they just fought and fought and fought. Um, and they couldn't win. They they weren't they were not able to take it over. Um, they weakened everything. Like every, like they couldn't win, but they weren't about to be defeated with the, the amount of death that they rained down on everybody. What's cool here is uh, this is where you get the whole, the meat fists. They apparently they all had the the big red fists. They would like they would uh, go reach into the the the. Into the, the maw pot. Yeah, the maw pot while all the blood and everything was boiling. And they would put their fists in there and keep it in there until it sort of burned. And then the red from the blood just stained their skin. And that was like how they all, that was their like a, a bit of allegiance. And uh, and that's the big clan. It's like all the other clans are small compared to those dudes. Right. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the... Uh, over tyrant or not the over tyrant the um frost king was like oh you know what screw you guys you've betrayed us you have not lived up to the standards while we were gone so he just went and stuck his hand like what did he do it stuck it in the fire or something no it it was it was the barrel of an iron blaster right yeah gritting his teeth as the glowing metal blackened his flesh scouring all bonds of fellowship with the meat fist so now all of the boulder, they're called the boulder heads. The boulder heads have blackened fists. They literally, they all had the red stained skin that they couldn't get off. So they just burned it. So now they have a blackened, burnt fist. 
instead, just to show their displeasure with uh, with what went on there. Which is, you know, I, it, I mean, yes, this is all set up for later when you can choose which faction of them you want to be, and you can be the Meat Fist, or you could be the Boulder Heads, or the different Maw Tribes. Um, and I do like how they, they wrote in ways to really identify that beyond just like a color palette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got Bird Fists, you got Blood Fists, Blood Gullet guys are covered in blood, you know, like... Around the... Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, they, they set up... And the underground ones, they actually even said that one... That one is color palette, but they even gave you in the uh, painting guide like a way to paint them up so they look super pale because they're always underground. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, they, they're really hitting everything. Um, and then it talks a bit about the uh, the Everwinter. Uh, the Mystical Snowstorm. We, I mean, we've covered a lot of this before. Uh, there are places in the realms where entire all frost and the beef claw razor stand in frozen formation, having been rooted to the spot for generations. Um. Then they like I said they become hungry. Uh, the one part that I did want to touch on for anyone who maybe doesn't hasn't heard any of the old uh, coverage of Beast Claw Raiders, the the paradox of their existence. It says here the Everwinter is also the source of their power. The Husgard Tors can channel the power of the storm in order to batter their foes with deadly missiles or shroud them in uh, fog. Uh, instead of the wastes left behind by the gutbusters, the, gut busters, the beast claw raiders leave frozen, featureless tundra haunted by the savage beasts of winter. Um, now the gutbusters look at the everwinter, and that's like they see that almost could be, since they're not raiders. They the, to them it's a mark of shame. You guys failed Gorkamorka, and he cursed you. Um, well, I also found it interesting, like sort of back to the challenge when the uh, the the, the All Father of Winter decided to go after the 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 Gutbusters to be the over tyrant. How the flip side isn't the case at all. Like tyrants have no interest in becoming like leaders of. Uh, they don't want to be the Frost clans. Lords. Yeah, they just don't get it. Like they're so <laughs> culturally different. They're just like eh, pass. Like I thought that was kind of funny. How like. Frost Lords, more than willing to challenge a tyrant to try and take the crown. The reverse, eh, they could care less. They just think it's weird. Yeah, and that's 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 not the direction I think most writers would have taken that. You're going to have, you, you want to build, I mean, it's, you know, typical, you know, movie plot stuff, build up the rivalry, build yeah. up the stuff. No, <laughs> dude, I don't want to be in charge. If I'm in charge of that, I got to run from this Everwinter thing. You guys are crazy. Yeah, and they're like, you want me to ride that thing? I want to eat that thing. <laughs> like, I was sort of almost what I was thinking at first. It's like, yeah, they're just fascinated with this giant food source they're they're riding around on. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> um, and then what else comes in here? Um, they do mention in both parts, talking about both the Everwinter and the Maw Paths, how the Necroquake has affected them, how it's thrown them off how there's now spirits mixed into the everwinters so like these frozen phantoms sort of things coming out of them as well yeah okay so can we, can we talk about that a little bit they yeah. have, they have found a way to eat the ghosts well i mean there's that yeah. but that when they talk about the mob pots how like they can incorporate the demonic and the um ethereal type stuff into the maw pots because of the, how the magic works but it's also 
that the Necroquake has thrown their mob paths into a kind of a tizzy. And then you now have these phantoms in the mist in the Everwinter following along. So it's affected how they perceive everything as well and what they're experiencing because it just throws everything into chaos. But they don't understand that it's the Necroquake. They don't even register it as like this is something Nagash did. This is the great gut grumble of the gulping god saying he's still hungry. We are not eating enough. And now we, this is our reminder that he is displeased and we need to eat more. Yeah. God, I love how they're so clueless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously upheaval on the, on earthquake scale spirits coming out of the ground and they're like, he's got indigestion Mm -hmm. and he's hungry and we're not doing our jobs. Eat faster boys. They're just turning everything in their environment into a reason to maintain a f- eating disorder. <laughs> yep, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Um, you know what? Let's, uh, Alex. Do you want to grab the on page sixteen the all the Beast Claw all Frostens? Just kind of cover some of the some of their breakdown, sure. and then we'll take a break before that because next is the well. They're not doing it in space timelines anymore. They're doing it in logical general timelines. Yeah, easy to read history. So, mm-hmm. so. With how the Elfrostens break down, they have the Frost Lord as the top, um, and then it's broken down into like three arms. It used to be two, but now they've clearly identified one as three. So they have the Yorlbad, which is the fighting hand, which is their big warriors. They get the biggest share of meat uh, as a result of a raid, and they're kind of run over by a Huskard who is like the number two, um, the right-hand crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's in charge of them. It's These are the guys that go in, and they're the line breakers. They're the ones that smash everything. Um, after them comes the Yurlbad, which is the eating hand. Um, and this gets kind of looked at as they're not as cool, or they're not as good as the Yurlbad, even though they are. their job is to essentially pick off any last spots for resistance, harvest all of the meat. This way the tribe can survive. So in a way it is super important, but you're just kind of running around collecting bits and just stomping on the wheat stuff. We did all the work. Yeah. It's more like the first of the fray are the ones that get all the props in the ogre society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, the third arm is the Torbad. And this is one of those positions that it's like the spiritual connection to the Everwinter. So the Huskard Tor is kind of like their equivalent of a priest. Um, communing with the Everwinter. Um, being able to direct the effects of the Everwinter. And they can also uh, channel and speak with the creatures of the Everwinter, like the Yetis um, and the Thunder Tusks. So this all falls into that category. Um so that's pretty mu- and then the outlier is the skull which is the hunters and their saber tusk packs so these are the ones that are like directing traffic on where they're going for the hunting grounds and the skulls actually operate with like a degree of independence from the frost lord or aren't because- they kind of out there scouting ahead too yeah that's yeah they're why. almost like the slaughter masters of the uh of the uh, beast claws mm-hmm. yeah so their job is to scout ahead and to try to track down prey 
So they operate very often on their own. So they're kind of like a weird loner, but they're also kind of revered by the cult, by the Beast Claws, because they find the food and they find where we're going next. Cool. Yeah, and pound for pound, hunters are like pretty badass as far as a stat line. So you could see them getting some respect. Mm hmm. You know. They've got to be because they're out there on their own. They got to—I mean—and they're out there. If they're coming across big beasties. It's not like you got a group of friends to take it down. These guys have to be able to not only find food but find enough of it. And it, you know, they're all looking for the big, the big score. So the big score, buddy. Yep. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they junkies. Yeah, yep. it's just them and their cats is really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. And they very rarely work with other hunters. Right. No, yeah, they're they're total loners, so that, that makes sense the way they're going through there. Um should we take a quick break? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Um yeah, we'll take a break. We'll come back and then we'll go through some of the history and the list of the different tribes and then get into the gut busters and their their breakdown before we get into the uh some of the just like what the units are about so we will be back most butchers will remain with their chosen war glut for their whole lives never leaving their close-knit flock yet As they slumber in the afterglow of a hearty meal, a butcher or slaughtermaster may be visited by a strange vision of a faraway region of Gur, the heartland of ogre kind. They may find themselves gazing down upon a looming mountain, a sprawling forest of fleshy trees, or an underground acid lake. In any case, they will feel inexorably drawn to this sacred land, a place of power where the ravenous hunger of the gulping god is keenly felt. Leaving their war gluts behind, these pilgrims will journey across unimaginable distances, accompanied only by slavering packs of gorgers and enterprising noblars. As they make their way to the destined location, the butchers will gather up sackfuls of delicious ingredients and the meat of beasts they happen upon. On arrival, they will unite with butchers and slaughtermasters from dozens of other maw tribes, and together, these pilgrims will stage a grand festival of golosity known as a gollop. Recipes and rare meats are shared, toasts to the gulping god are drunkenly made, and vast quantities of captives are butchered and consumed. Such is the immense aura of gastromantic power surrounded by these festivals that the surrounding land begins to cannibalize itself. Mountains rise up to swallow the clouds, and surging tides devour entire coastlines. God, I did it, guys. You he did. did. He was a podcaster. Yep. Because <laughs> you weren't before. Alex was worried whether or not you could do it the right way. But I had that complete, was the old world. I had complete faith in you. Oh, uh, speaking that was of the which, old world, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Dude, over the break, I just looked at the Alex shared uh, with you and I, uh, Brasca, those pictures that Peach did on uh, Twitter. 
Yeah. Uh, the dude in the Stormcast stuff looks pretty cool, and the Fire Slayer guy not only looks cool, but he's got he's got Urgold runes hammered into him. Yeah. Which I was just like, you got to be doing a good job if the if they're going to actually let you have some Urgold runes. Or maybe well, he just a- took them by choice. Oh, he might yeah, just, right. Yeah, just take them and slammed them in. I guess. Um, I I think my favorite might be the Caradron Overlords one guy. That dude looks like Bane. That's a pretty yeah. That's actually a the head from the um, Ogren kit. Oh yeah, for forty k. Cool. Oh, that totally makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. They got some cool stuff in here. That's really neat. I like that. So it's amazing. Some people have such a good eye for that. Like, you know, they just see these bits, put them together, and they're so so often. I just sit there going, why Why can't I think of that? Like. Uh, it's, 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 I always find it fascinating how people can just sort of, you know, look at all the different ranges, all the different models. I mean, there's thousands of models that Games Workshop makes, and just I be think, like, clickety clack, look at that. Yeah, this bit you know? looks. This bit from this kit looks like it would go really well with that bit. And I'm sitting here, I'm trying to do conversions, and it looks like it looks like a slightly lower grade than like that clay ashtray I made in fifth grade in art class. I'm like, oh lord. Yeah, made right. an ashtray in art class. You were allowed to do that back in the seventies. When you're doing oh, clay and you're sculpting things, you sculpt whatever. I mean, you call you could call it a candy dish, but that in the center there was a raised ridge with little U's in it, so Grandma could lay down her cigarette right in the middle of the, and leave it there for a moment if she had to put it down. God, in my high school, everybody was manufacturing bongs. <laughs> uh, the trick was figuring out how to hide it. Yeah, it was. Uh, Again, in order to hear the compelling conclusion of Chris's story, show up to Wapaka 2020. <laughs> I cannot wait. Anyways. All right. So let's uh, – now, the history part, and I know, uh, Chris, um, if if you read through this, if there was any – we're obviously not doing them all. If there are ones that stuck out that you really liked or hit an hit a interesting story bit, just mention uh, it. And we're just sort of think. running through taking turns. There was a lot of stuff that was reiterated, so I did. You know, look, one of the stories I did like the most, and you've already hit on it, was the you know the breaking of the bonds between those uh, the Thunder Bros and the Meat Fists. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, God, they're all so very similar. That's the only <laughs> that's the only throw. You know, the one where they betrayed the guys and <laughs> ate them instead. That one. Well, <laughs> the like coming of Everwinter. Uh, I liked a bit of that one. Many still came. It was the first Frost King. Bear-gut Vosjarl, who damned his descendants by feasting upon the innards of the frozen Ur-bear Jorhar. Yet it's also known in these times that the, they breached the Icefell vaults of Shyish, searching for food, and in doing so, released the Winter Gods, ancient deities of ice and wind. I thought that was pretty clever. That was pretty cool that they tied in. That oh, really? They they broke into one of the one of Sigmar's vaults. Yeah, and released stuff that he had locked away, and of course they did because they don't know that they released it. They don't care. They will. They're just looking in the fridge, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's all they're up to. Uh, what about you, Alex? Anything stand out for you on the first couple pages here of these uh, histories? The uh, junk on blood segment yeah. where it talks about uh, the. Countessa Margol de Verice. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. She rules over a blood farm in Golveria. 
So that oh yeah, sound. that one's cool. Yeah. So the blood gullet, um, Machibe, they get a literal whiff of this, um, and they sweep down in, bash everything up, and then they break into the distilleries of her, like blood hoarding, where she's making like these. Essentially, it's like a winery or a vineyard, but it's blood. Um, yeah, but it's people. <laughs> well, it's not always people. It's, this isn't Soylent Green. I mean, this is yeah. like blood of everything. Um, you mean the Impossible Burger? Yeah. The Soylent oh, Green that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so they get drunk on like the best wine effectively they get drunk on the best blood and they leave with great sackfuls of bottled blood um and the blood gullets when we get into them their their whole thing is that they believe that fresh blood is where you get the most power it is the most tasty tidbit so to have essentially like just a winery that they just overran of blood is Pretty neat. Oh yeah, because those guys, yeah. those guys look at the the butchers and the people who cook their food, and they think they're crazy. Well, the butchers don't even cook the food in the blood gullet. They just, yeah, they just no. But I'm sure they look, they look at the they other tribes. People. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like the one. Um, they uh, the from mercenaries of chaos. They fought in the armies of Archaon. Uh, gradually, they take the heraldry of their new master, wearing scavenged hellforged steel and inking their skin with symbols of the dark gods. Though they claim to still worship the gulping god, they are looked on with suspicion and scorn by all right-thinking ogres. Mercenary work is one thing; adopting strange religions and unogreish customs is quite another. Yeah, you know, you you come back from your trip with a couple Slayer tattoos, and everybody's mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. what else we got here? Um, See, oh. I think that's one of the things I like about them too, though. They're very xenophobic in that respect. Like, oh, well, you're not down with just like eating like crazy and being a lunatic. All right. Well, forget it then. You know, they're more than willing to work for anybody, but you just can't adopt their customs. Yep. You know, um, unless you eat them. Yeah. There were two uh, on page 20 that I liked, and they're both they're both related, so I'm going to kind of stick them together. Uh, Brief Alliances and Of Storm and Snow. And this one, um, the, the Meat Fist uh, joined one of the Chaos Lords against the Hammers of Sigmar. This alliance lasts only until the Overtyrant realizes slain Stormcast Eternals are all but inedible. Immediately, they turn on the eye brand, displaying absolutely no contrition for their betrayal. Idly chewing on Scantor's butchered corpse, Glittermaw retreats from the battle, while the Golden Warriors of Azir look on in confusion. Love it. That one was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Exactly. Oh, we can eat these guys? Well, boosh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you, wait, you hired us. We can't eat them? Nah, you, that's it. Uh, yeah. Then the Cerulean Comet Storm Host. Uh, allies with the Allfrosten to fight some of the Bloodbound. And um, the the Stonehorde charge crushes the Berserkers. As the Ogres depart, their saddlebag stuffed with fresh meat, the Everwinter descends across the battlefield. Many warriors of the Cerulean Comets are frozen solid. Those that escape are forever wreathed in an aura of frost. Yeah, that's cool, too. It actually affected the Stormcast. 
the the I mean, where they are. Per, I mean, we all know they come back permanently changed any time they die. But these guys didn't die. They just got hit by the Everwinter, and uh, and now they are permanently changed by it. I thought that was a neat a neat thing. Plus, another if you're playing Stormcast, you know, there's another. Ooh, I could. This is a a group that I could start to you know work on and and come up with some sort of a scheme to create those guys. guys That's right. Start the Everwinter. cotton swabs to everything. Where you go. <laughs> um, let's see what else here. Um, oh, here the only the only other one I marked was a ghostly feast because this is where um, Nagash sends the sorrowful host the sorrowful host on them. Um, spirit host and chain gas are chasing them down, but they get caught in the Everwinter and they freeze and they become semi solid. So when that happens, they the they ogres get smashed. Yeah, and the ogres eat them. And that's when the great necromancer learns a disturbing truth: even spectral dead are not immune to the eternal hunger of the Everwinter. So they eat ghosts. Yeah, that's From fantastic. Busters to Ghostbusters. Oh, comedy! <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, and then there was that Gork's gut rumble, which, as you pointed out, Alex was the uh, the necroquake. The necroquake. Oh, yeah. The slaughter priests see this as a sign that the gulping gods' great displeasure and preach their portion sizes have been far too meager. So good. Yeah. Um. All right. So next part, uh, it covers the the major what six. Yeah, there's six ma- major Maw tribes. Um, does anyone want to take take the first one, the Meat Fist, the big one? Anyone? I'll on? talk. Blood, I'll go Blood Gullets when that comes up. Okay, I'll take Under Guts. Well, then I guess I'll take the Meat Fists. Um, their Maw path has reached further and consumed more of the realms than any other. There's there's more of them, and they're they're. Their widening, you know, circle. It's not a concentric because it's always back to from the starting place, but it's like that widening oval from that starting point. Um, they've eaten more than anybody. Um, uh, we already talked about how they make their fists red uh, by dropping the boiling vat of uh, gore uh, in the uh, the cauldrons. Uh, they claim that Grawl's blood, he was the, oh, that's right. Grawl was the the first of the big Meat Fist warriors. Um, and it's the, now the Meat Fist say that Grawl, his blood runs thickly in their veins. Other Maw tribes resent this. Um, and they all, but they also resent the fact that the Meat Fist grab all the best hunting grounds because what are you going to do? There's more of them. Uh, what else? Tyrants of the Meat Fists are hugely rich and corpulent as a result of the Maw Tribe's success, which has had the effect of increasing their already immense appetites tenfold. Each feast must be greater than the last, and thus the Meat Fist set their sights upon ever more ambitious conquest. They're basically, it's like they're the golden boys. You know, they're the ultramarines. They're the guys who there's more of them, and they're always out there. And if if you if you see an ogre tribe, odds are pretty good it's the meat fist, just because there's so darn many of them. Yeah, yeah, they're the, they're the number one team. Yep. Um. So that's them. Blood gullet. Blood gullets. My personal favorite. 
for basically two reasons. One, lots of access to slaughtermasters and butchers. And two, there's some pretty sweet conversion opportunities in here because the Blood Gullet tribe are obsessed with drinking blood. And that makes all of them like sort of fat and swollen. So for like a modeling opportunity, you could literally like green stuff over their muscles and just kind of chub up all your bowls and it wouldn't be a very hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're so obsessed with it that like they find themselves like in league with a lot of corn armies and uh, what's his face there? Corgos Cull even has like a slaughter master on his advisory team. Like that's how deep they roll with the blood God. Um, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're from butcher's gorge out of Ashkey, which is the only thing I don't care for. I, 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 anytime I think ogres, I want to see them just coming from the land of Gur, but it makes sense since so much of the original, like, uh, corn lore happened in Ashkey. It kind of connects in a way that that's where the, the blood gullet come from as well. But, um, their tyrants are always like leaning hard on their butchers and slaughter masters. You're always going to see a lot of butchers and slaughter masters in a blood gullet list because of the obvious uh, perks that they get, which we will cover in the war section of this book, I believe. Right. When we get but, to the war. Uh, yeah. Bottom line, there are a bunch of just like gorged blood soaked lunatics that think they're more connected to the, the, uh, the gulping God than any of the other tribes. So they almost have like a chip on their shoulder in that respect. But, uh, they're, uh, one of my favorite, uh, tribes. They're the one that I'm currently running, uh, for my current edition of my ogres. They don't, they don't wash any of the blood off either. It is yeah, matted in their hair. They stink. Yeah. They are the stinkiest of the ogres. They are sort of the grossest. There's more flies around them because they don't even. Wi- I mean, why would you wipe the blood away? It's 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 your connection. It's they're so gross. Yeah, and as a painter, that's the only thing I struggle with. Is like I don't want to just spatter my models with blood because it's going to look like a seventh seventh grader is mm-hmm. putting these together. You know. But, I mean, if you do it right, it could look great. I mean, honestly, in this book, they showed a couple of, like, with the fists and with the stuff around the mouths and stuff, and it's like, yeah. put it on here, stipple it around, and you, it, with practice, it can look good. Like, I'm kind of fascinated by that. I don't put the blood all over stuff either, because if it's done poorly, it looks, oh, it looks awful. It looks awful. Yeah. yeah. And with these guys, you could easily go into going way too crazy with the cheese whiz and just ruining everything. Well, yeah, because there's so many round edges on all the musculature mm-hmm. and stuff. It's 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 easy to screw up. So you got to really. And if it's on their fist, to... it's got to be on the blades. And if it's on the blades, it's probably splattered somewhere else too. And then you just go, and then it's like, oh no, I've gone too far. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So yep, that's the blood gullets. Daddy's favorite. Nice. Uh, <laughs> underguts. Yeah. So these guys are the weirdos. Um, I think comparatively speaking, in ogre kind. From Olgu, which is the realm of shadow, um, so a different interpretation. They're pale-skinned, they live underground, um, and they eat the terrible and ugly things that live underground um, to the point that their diet has turned them a different color. So it's like a nasty green-yellow, like just they haven't seen the sunshine in a very long time. Um they're weird because their maw paths are primarily underground, 
but also they use explosives uh, better than any other uh, gutbuster warglet or maw tribe. And their whole thing is they took over the underlord's hold of Kazakh Fulgar in the Age of Chaos. So those are Dwardens, obviously. Um, they find this massive um, horde of blast powder, which is like chips of ore and ember worm scale mixed together. Um, yeah, it's like so, they get the recipe for it, yeah. Yeah, they mm-hmm. sent in so, the Noblars to figure out what this is and make some. Yeah, so they take over the main hold and they rename it Mount Bellow. So that's because of the thundering explosions from the Noblar miners. That's why their symbol is the mountain. Um, so they go through and they blast their way through the bedrock of the realms themselves on their hunt. And they eventually learn that it's like, well, if I shoot it, it gets burned and then it actually tastes pretty good. Like the charred remains. And it's also a lot easier to kill things from a distance. And then it's cooked when you get there. So their big thing is they have a lot of iron blasters and lead belchers, um, that they just let go with the bang. And they think it's an absolute great kick. They can take down fortresses from underneath or even just face to face because they have more lead belchers and more iron blasters than any other Maw tribe. So they're the weird ones. And I think that's why I like them. Plus it's also the weird conversion opportunity to have like that unsettling look to them, the more pallid, um, you like blind eyes. Yeah, almost. So there's a lot of opportunities. I think with this one, um, just to do a lot of weird stuff and to have the weird creatures that they hunt underneath, like for armor conversions for like bugs and other critters and stuff like that. I think that would be a good opportunity for them. Yeah. And you could even change the, uh, like you could find some weird model to be the Rhinox, mm-hmm. you know, it, maybe they've got like a giant slug or something pulling their, uh, iron blasters. Who knows? Yeah. Get- or some, Something now, Ulgu's their yeah. almost shadow, right? Yes. Yeah. See, it's the only the only thing that in here that struck me as a little weird is how you, they they turned greenish yellow instead of pale. Okay, and then they it causes them to drool unspeakably vile and poisonous liquids. That made me think of Nurgle, the greenish yellow and the and the and the and the leaking and the poisonous. Um, well, the poisons from them eating all the weird shit down there. Well, I mean, weird yeah. stuff down. Yeah. So it's it's between that, but also Ulgu, if you think about the other armies that are supposedly hailing from Ulgu, you're looking at Daughters of Cain and whatever Malarian is cooking up, if he indeed is cooking anything up. So poison exists within the elf pantheon or like elf culture because they use that a lot of their weapons. So there's precedence there if you think about it, too. Yeah, I was like I said. I just it, it first when I read it, it made me think of Nurgle. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, oh, sure. You could yeah. make that connection, but it's just yeah, you could do that. Yeah, too. but but you'd be wrong, right, Alex? <laughs> you would be. You would be. Uh, the other thing I had thought about doing is like how Chris Peach had done like that man eater conversion for overlords, where he took a lead belcher and armored it up and used the Bulgrin head from 40k. You could easily do like a suitor Kara Ogre overlords 
Oh yeah, cool theme. Yeah, that, that totally would work. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess I'll take the next one. Just keep rolling. The boulder yeah, yeah. heads. I like the boulder heads, and this comes to one of the things that you were saying, Chris. Um, so the boulder heads are the rabble, the troublemakers. I mean, these are the guys who were frozen forever, sort of were no longer relevant, and then came back and and I mean. They couldn't take over, but they had inflicted so many casualties they couldn't. Um, they 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 couldn't uh, they couldn't have effectively ignored. take them out either. Exactly. So uh, what I thought was cool was um, this is what you were talking. Like I said, they consume a lot of rock and metal, and that helps their hides get thicker. Their skulls are more dense and thicker. Really cool record collections. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, um, I waited too long. Keep the- going. <laughs> uh, so, um, but basically, I mean, we already talked about them. Even when their mount's rock-hard skeleton has been fractured and broken in a 100 places, uh, the most skilled boulderhead riders can summon one final burst of vengeful fury from their bonded companion. They are really connected to their to their ride. Yeah. Um, and but they there's they they this is these are the guys who you know they have an uneasy truce now. Uh, it says right there at the end. Few ogres doubt there will be a day when the Maw tribes struggle for dominance once more. These are the guys who, if you're going to write stories. And if you're going to have stuff plot, you know, plot points change as you bring in new stuff, like when the Necroquake came in or whenever the next thing, um, uh, this this is the storyline right here. This that's who these the guys seem to be. They're the guys who are going to cause the trouble and 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 make things happen. Um, and like I said, if you want to paint them up with the black fists and stuff, if you're and if you're if you're a beast claw raiders running type of guy. Uh, they're pretty good. There they seem to be, at least. I, you know, that's just me. Um, what have we got left? Thunderbellies. Yep, thunderbellies and winterbite. You could each of you take one. Thunderbellies are weird because they're kind of like a they're <laughs> they're like a weirdo version of the the beast claws, except their thing is like electricity and thunder. So these guys are from the realm of metal, and basically they rip up and down on hordes of Mornfang, these like metal roads that connect all of Shaman. And I guess they're constantly getting hit by lightning. Um, so it's like a pretty crazy place for them to be. And their version of like Everwinter that chases them is like this electrical storm. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty metal too. They're like straight ride the lightning, like Alabatalica all through Shaman. And uh, these nutballs even try to like, catch lightning in their mouths to show like who's toughest <laughs> so like on the regular these guys are just straight up exploding because they're just getting lightning bolts in the face essentially um you know and they uh they're the ones that originally captured the first of the sky titans uh cannons to create the first uh, iron blasters so that's kind of cool how they worked in like their own sort of uh Stuff from the old world, because that was one of the things they talked about is like Sky Titan cannons, but they sort of like, now they put a name on the tribe that did it, and this is their jam. So, again, it's kind of a new thing to the 
to the Gutbusters overall or the uh, whichever clan you want to sort of connect it to, whether it's Gus but Gutbusters or Beast Claws, that they sort of connected that old stuff to this new idea. Right. And uh, what else about them? Oh, and they have like a weird um, rivalry with uh, Dragon Ogres because Dragon Ogres are hanging out in these roads too because they're big into lightning themselves. So they got this like bizarre, you know, rivalry going on with this uh, this chaos race. So that's that's them in a nutshell. Is just lots of Morn Fang, lots of lightning stuff, uh, and running up and down the realms, uh, uh, the middle, the realm of metal. Oh, and don't forget they're trying to eat lightning meat. And they're trying to eat lightning because they're friggin' nuts. No, the Stormcast, I mean. Oh yeah, right. They're the, yeah, that's the, that was the other way. Yeah, they 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 actually try to to catch the uh, essence of Stormcast Eternals when they kill them and they zip back to. Uh, well, maybe that's why they're trying to eat lightning on the regular. They're just training for that. <laughs> well, I think there was a mention in the old space timeline where they talked about how when one of the storm hosts was dealing with the Thunderbellies, that when they came back to Azir, there were some missing. Yeah, that's right. Well, this right here, it was talking about uh, they, they, they claim that they have a way that the, the blue-black clouds in their Everwinter can capture the lightning, and they get into the maw pots. And it says, uh, in several battles between Thunderbelly's maw tribe and the champions of Azir, there have been troubling reports of missing Stormcast warriors. Mm-hmm. So let's find another way that we can make it more dangerous for them to get reformed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This- yeah you get reforged and you got parts missing. You know? <laughs> Big bite marks taken out of you. Yeah, you're just missing a hand or an arm or something. Like, dude. Yeah, so they're they're like a pretty weird tribe, but a pretty cool one overall. I think it's a pretty neat addition to the lore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and you're going to take the winter bite, Alex? Sure. So this is the trapped under ice version for ogres. Oh yeah, another Metallica reference. Hell yeah! <laughs> right. uh, so these guys are from Gur, and these are the ones that they ride the closest to the Everwinter. They draw the most power from it. They are the ones that use it as a weapon the most. And they use a lot of like fear tactics um, by hiding in the mist. And then all of a sudden you have these massive monsters looming out um, and just coming to eat your face. Uh, they're the closest ones to work with yetis. Um, it's like those, the yetis are like the elemental creatures essentially of the Everwinter. And they even refer to the Everwinter as the... Gorka, as the breath of Gorka Morka. Um, and this is where you're talking about, um, Dave, when we're talking about the uh, people sickles. Right. The ever the winter bite ones are the ones that do that. Oh, they leave them as offerings to the breath of Gorka Morka um, in thanks for helping them do their thing. So, and they are like the most isolative and the most like out there of the mod tribes because they just kind of stick to their own and they just hunt on the edge of the Everwinter. So, well, you think because they're so close to it and no other tribe could really barter or deal with them in any way. Anyways, it would just be too dangerous. They're just weird. And even like the language of the beast clause, they call themselves the Freya F R A Y A, which is what, loosely translates to the unseen hunters. So they're 
just the guys that do their own thing and they literally live on the edge. Cool. Cool. Love it. Well, um, that's the main tribes. Um, why don't we uh, go through some of these, uh, get through some of the characters here, and um, we'll get closer to wrapping this up. We'll do this a few of these, take another break, and then uh, get through it because we mo- we know most of this stuff. There's, we'll just hit the the interesting points. Uh, we start with the tyrants, the gutbuster tyrants. Biggest, strongest, they lead them for food. As long as you keep getting them food, you're pretty much in good shape. As soon as you show weakness or slow down, your friends try to kill you and eat you. Um, I do like the if you are challenged in a as a tyrant, uh, if it's an official challenge, you guys fight without gut plates. So you're leaving yeah. your yeah, you're leaving it open. Ooh. Uh, and then it does point out that disemboweling is considered particularly humiliating uh, among the war gluts. For as the old saying goes, him that's got no guts can't hold on to his food. Which seems like a... Seems verbose. Seems like a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, was a thing in old Warhammer where it was if you... Like, the most feared way to die was to die with your gut coming out. Yeah. And Would, didn't they have a, a character that was like an ogre executioner? Yes. And his whole thing was to whip his gut gouger around, and just his whole thing was to disembowel ogres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they used – he's now he's getting sold as a man-eater, but he was uh, – well, I think his name was, was something like gut gouger or something like Bragg that. Brag the Gutsman. Brag the Gutsman. There you go. And his weapon was called the Great Gut Gouger. That's what it was. That's where the old Gut Gouger came from. And it, I always, I always, just the whole concept of the gut plate, I always found kind of interesting. Like their, like their hunger and all of that, like their, their belly and their girth is sort of sacred to them. It's the one thing that they protect. Well, and in the old book, they also described it as it acted as their plate. Oh, that's right. They could take it out to eat off it. Yeah, that's what they would actually eat off of. But uh, they've got this is this one big piece of armor right in front. They've got that, and if you're fighting to the death, you take that off. It's like you're exposing. Yeah. You know, you got your you literally got your belly exposed. Um, then it goes through a little bit, um, and I mean, basically, it's stuff we already know. Tyrants are the leaders. They these are the guys who are making sure everything gets done. They're usually clever enough to bust in through a city. Um, even if they can't bust into your city, even if you're for, you're fortified well enough to keep the ogres out, um, once they leave and you open the doors, there's nothing out there. Any villagers got left outside, eaten. Livestock, eaten. The grass, eat, like, you know, it's a wasteland all around because they will just, if they can't get you, they're going to get everything else around there. So you're kind of screwed either way. Yeah. And I kind of like that, how it's just like, ooh, whoops, like, um, what's worse? You know, dying a slow death of starvation or just getting bonked on the head and it's over? Yeah, no, it's brutal. But then it creates a weird dichotomy because they are butchering and eating everything around it. So they're gorging on everything while you're inside starving. Yeah. So. Yeah, not great. 
Nope. Um, it does talk about in here how even though they can eat anything, they develop they usually develop a taste for a certain kind of flesh, and they will obsessively seek out this delicate delicacy with single-minded determination. So going back to that whole, I'm not just a junkie, but I got a specific I got a specific flavor. Um, I do like that they when they talk about when the tyrants will pick their names. You know, they'll pick the honorifics and they'll be like... They don't care what it really means. They just like the sound of the words. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that one guy, he had a, his his name was like, you know, Gut Rod or whatever. The imbecile, yeah. And he murdered a dude for when he told him what it actually meant. Yeah. The guy who started laughing at him, he's, and he ate his arms, or he bit yeah. his arms and legs off. I, I wonder if he just ate the arms and legs and left him there like little, you know, you know ogre long torso. Because that's got to be, different. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, what's he going to do? They don't grow back. You're stuck. That's a he, that would that's a horrible punishment for an ogre. No, no, yeah. he bit a human. It was a human's arms. Like it was like the Black Knight from Monty Python. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought it was another ogre who said it to him. I'm like, where did he figure out how to say it? I was reading this when I was tired, I suppose. And he hit hit him with a bunch of what do you call a guy with no arms and legs, Matt? <laughs> What do you call a guy with no arms and legs in the water? Bob. Bob. <laughs> what do you call a cow with three legs? Go. Lean beef. Oh, boy. Wow. Okay. Cow with no legs. Ground beef. <laughs> I'm tell my kids Are we really going it. here? You know what? You had a baby, and now you're dropping full-on dad jokes. I love it. <laughs> I've been practicing that for a long time, so this ain't new. Hey, when does a joke become a dad joke? When When it's so inexplicably bad. No, it becomes a dad joke when it's a parent. Oh, boy. Get out. I'm hanging out. Did I just get fired from my own show? Yeah, yeah, you did. That's some (laughs) bad writing. (laughs) Uh, All right, so let's take a look at what else we got next. Um... Anyone want to take the butchers? Well, yeah, like we said, we've discussed this before, but um, they're sort of second in line to the Slaughtermasters. They haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, They're the spiritual link to the great gut god that the ogres follow. Um, And they get picked from the ranks for... uh, if If you're a glutton who's caught, like seasoning his food when he eats it that shows that you've got the gusto to be a butcher and that's literally how you get selected if you just caught doing if, if you're not just stuffing your face and you're doing anything anything to the food first that's when we'll be like hey man come on over here we got some stuff to show you i thought that was kind of funny it was just like you know any kind of acumen for cooking you know yeah. how, however minor you know that that'll get you picked up to become uh, in league with the butchers and start learning from the, learning their craft. I got uh, a couple of notes I wrote here in the margins. I like where it says that butchers favor stews and broths. They can get rid of the grisliest and most putrid ingredients by boiling them up nice and slowly. Now, like, first of all, they can eat anything. Raw. Right. But, so, but these guys like to cook it up to me. So they eat anything, but they do appreciate, and I put it in quotes, good food. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then like if like you said, okay, is this guy seasoning his food? They train for years, 
And this is like yeah. this is basically going to potions class where you're not just using liquids. It's like they use everything. This is the type. You know, this is what part of the frontal lobe to eat if you want this spell to work well. This is you should eat this guy's uh, you know minced maw crusher flank with this, and this will help this go. It's kind of interesting how they've you know they've there's a whole it's it's like magic potions almost that they're that they're brewing because the way that they put the food together will often help. Uh, B- bump their magic. Now they get good at it. Then that's when you become, you know, you get to be the slaughter masters. Yeah. Well, the slaughter master is a little different, but like we've talked in previous episodes about, like the different realms affect the different races that inhabit them. This is where they talk about it impacts the cuisine <laughs> and the different ways that they want their food prepared. Like if you're from Akshi, you may want something a little hotter. I like or, spicy food, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It boils down to, hey, there you go. It even just gets to that, that it's what they're eating, it's what they're consuming. Not necessarily it changes their appearance, but their habits based yeah. on where they live. I liked a couple of points they made in here is that the Slaughtermaster is the one who's got the maw pot chained to him, which yeah. used to be the old Scrag the Slaughterer model. Yeah, and these are the guys that are just so obsessed with the carving of meat that they will hack off their own limbs to do the stump blades, and then they carry the pot on their back, dragged by chains to carry on work, even during the midst of battle. And they have their, they used to be called blood knoblars um, when it was scrag, Um, but their job was to catch the pieces as he cut them up and throw them in the pot. He's out be fighting. careful, though. He's out in this battle, and he's fighting, and as he's chopping stuff up and flicking it back off, I'm just picturing him like one of these guys you see on Food Network, where he's like cutting off a limb and then sort of catching it on the flat of the blade and flicking it behind him like he's at a Benihana. Just Hibachi mm-hmm. style. Yeah. <laughs> and they're catching it, and like you said, be careful, because they got to feed him while they're doing that. If you get too close... Yeah, you're in the pot, buddy. Um, I liked the description of how... When you become a slaughtermaster, have, you have to create a. Uh, you, you need a pot. This, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> um, did you? Did anyone else catch this revered vessel formed of thrice digested metals? Is beaded? Well, yeah, beaten it. So they, <laughs> yeah, I got to eat it, digest it, eat it again. Like, ooh, yuck! What is happening here? Well, this is not a new concept. No, it's not. You know, but they I did it with the pig iron for yes, but those are animals. Iron. These are sen- more sentient beings uh, to a small degree. I don't like it when my dog does it. I don't like. To- <laughs> Hang on, guys! I gotta go take a dump and then pick it up and then. <laughs> you know yeah. they don't hose it off or anything. They just pick the metal chunk back up. You know, poop and gross and all, and just eat it. Yep. They might cook it or do something with it. Oh, I suppose maybe it needs to be seasoned or something because you got to season your pans, you know. Yeah. I have a story, but we can talk about that at Wapaka 2020. So we have a pan season. <laughs> so all three of us got one now. <laughs> uh, and mine is just a really just offensive one-liner joke, so I'm waiting to hear stories. Um, let's see, what have we got left? I just want to see how many pages we got left here. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? Last break. Let's do this. Let's take the last break and then come back and then hit the rest of these little units uh, and we'll get it done. 
Hey, check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in garage gear. And we are back talking about the warriors of the war gluts, including, but not limited to, ogre gluttons, knoblars, iron guts, and other ogres with big weapons. Yep. Um, all right. I'm going to... Why don't we do it this way? Because there's still a lot of these, and we were already hitting two hours. Uh, for this first, at least this page or something like that, I've got most of this. I ain't going to lie. Uh, my last couple of pages, um, after you get past... Yep. They get pretty light. Yeah, after well, after you get past <laughs> the little thing, after you get past the jural bads, uh, I don't really have notes for them. I sort of didn't quite finish, and then totally didn't realize I didn't finish. So I've got the stuff here and a few highlights, but I'm going to be relying on you guys to jump in for that. Uh, ogre gluttons, they're they're bulls. They're the they're your meat and potatoes guys. There's your your basic core troop. Uh, Standard line troops, yeah. Yep. Uh, they're, they're, the leader of any unit is called a crusher. Uh, they have no concept of honor or loyalty. Uh, they are just as likely to ally with a neighboring kingdom to fend off an invading army as they are to gleefully join in with the raiding force and fill their bellies with flesh. They're basically your basic troop, and that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a picture of ogres and it's just one holding the club or a knife, that's probably him. They're nothing to be sneezed at, though. Uh, you still... know, pound for pound, they're an awesome line troop, especially now. Yeah, no, they, they, as when we get into the war part, people forget how many, like how many, how much damage they do per wound. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're like, oh, I got five through to, to take off that ten man unit. <laughs> Single, but wait, what did I? What just happened? Yep, that's gone. Your fifteen guys gone. It's like, oh, I've. That happens to me every time when I'm playing. It's like you forget how much every wound you let by is actually doing. Yeah. Yeah, that catches a lot of people sleeping, actually. <laughs> not not twice, though. Nope. Um, you, they cause do you, what? Because you've been eaten. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the bit of the Noblar story like we were talking about. Uh, they, used to, they were on the junk mountains of Scrappa Spill in the realm of metal. Uh, and... They, uh, orcs were uh, having fun just grabbing these little ugly noblars and pulling their ears off because they found their oversized <laughs> ears funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. I got it written down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, look, these guys have big, funny ears. Let's pull them off. And yeah, so- and this is before the coming of Scragrot, though, because Scrap a Spill is where he is now. Uh-huh. So... If he had shown up however many generations sooner, this could have been a different conversation. Interesting. He could have cut down a lot on that a lot of that noblar abuse that was going on. 
I mean, I'm sure they would have still abused them because they consider them weird because they have these massive honking noses and these oversized ears. So, um, and basically, they're the workhorses. Any job ogres don't really want to do, they do. They're they are um, clever enough that they can work with weapons and help repair or or build more weapons. Uh, this little bit I found great. In order to escape the unjust persecution, uh, the, having their ears pulled off, they formed a symbiotic, though entirely lopsided, relationship with the Maw Tribes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, the deal is, we'll do all the crap work, and you don't eat us unless there's no other food around. Because they know. Please. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> pretty, pretty please don't eat us. And, well, I mean, they're not particularly tasty. Yeah. Uh, they're very gritty, very lean. But also, the Nalbars get a certain amount of scrap and junk left over because it's whatever the ogres don't eat, they keep. And that's their happy bit that they're happy to take. And sometimes they'll load it into a scrap launcher. So, like, they can be effective, but they just need a lot of them and a lot of little sharp things. So you can't underestimate them. Yeah, and I stab do one like, guy in a knee. I, I, I do kind of like how they still make them out like they're kind of having a good time. Like they're out there just being vicious little jerks. Mm-hmm. Like firing off. You and know. they're the worst kind because they're like they're they're totally they're not the bullies because they but they've got the ogres to be they're like toadies. They're just like behind his you know behind his his calf looking around <laughs> like pointing and laughing and ready to get in and stab something where they can. But knowing they can get away with it because they've got 700 pounds of, of muscle and fat ready to eat you if you get too close to them. And I also like in a lot of the kits how you'll get sort of these extra Noblar models that you can put on the bases of your heroes and stuff. And I even have uh, a tyrant conversion where I converted a little Noblar who's dressed up similar to the tyrant that he hangs out with. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. My thought was like, well, he's the tyrant of all the Noblars, and he just rolls with the big cheese. So, yeah, he sees the big cheese with a big hammer, so he's got his own little version of a big hammer in his hand, and he's got a similar sort of helmet. Like, there's lots of the sort of those opportunities, and even the ones that hang out with the butchers, they've got, like, spoons and stuff, like... Or aprons or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool how they, they sort of try to tie them in to look like they're almost, like, mimicking the... Uh, the ogres that they're they're sort of bound to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the original fluff in the old book, they'd sort of said like for every ogre, there's a Noblar that's sort of his pet that will like follow him around and, and do his bidding or whatever. And I thought that was kind of a neat little piece of fluff too. There I wasn't, remember they that. Didn't, yeah, they didn't really mention that in this new book, but in the original book, the original fluff for the first book, that was one of the things they talked about. And I thought that was kind of cool. That they just had these little right hand men, you know, that did yeah, their no, bidding. I like that. I remember that because that, and that was if you had one who you could be his guy. He generally came to rely on you, and probably not only wouldn't eat you, but it was you, as long as you hung around him, nobody else would either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you can find yourself an ogre to uh, to become his page or his squire, you you lived longer. Yeah. All right, Iron Guts. Um, Biggest and the baddest. Yep, they get the and prime. the bestest. <laughs> prime weapons, prime meat. The gluttons are all jealous. The how do you become an iron gut? The tyrant has to choose you for the job, 
and it takes Pretty decades much. decades of of fighting uh, in a way that gets you noticed. So these guys live really long too. Mm-hmm. It's their unnatural constitution combined with just they're always eating, so they're always getting bigger, always getting stronger. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with like oryx. It's the same thing. They get bigger the more they fight, or the more they eat. Well, these guys are just they get bigger and better the more they eat. Yep. yep. Uh, also, to but to pet, now once he picks you, you still got to go and eat this thing that the uh, you know the slaughtermasters or the butchers will make for you. Uh, or um, it's basically lethal to most people, and you've got to eat it and keep it down. And as long as you're okay at the end, you become an iron gut. Um, a lot of them will. It'll you know the food will. I mean, the ones who live, the food still gives them an upset stomach, makes them burpy, makes them gassy. Um, but they actually take pride in this and they will challenge each other. Like when they're bored at camp, they'll just be like, you know, who, who can eat this thing and just try to get the grossest thing and see who can eat it. Uh, I love how their success is predicated on a college eating challenge <laughs> mm-hmm. or a high school eating challenge. You put everything yeah. together on the plate, dev- cover it in salt. Yep. I don't. I don't like my, my high school life. That was those bad days. <laughs> None of us do. That's why we play Age of Sigmar in our thirties and forties. <laughs> yes, truth. If we got along really well in high school, we'd have been, you know, dating and going out and doing other things. We'd have been cool dudes owning boats and stuff. I don't right. know. <laughs> yes, that that's the measure of cool. Um, up. Yeah, I guess. Okay, uh, and we already mentioned that if, if the threats to the tyrant, not only are they his bodyguard, the, he'll handpick the best of the best Iron Guts to be his bodyguard, but he's also picking them to watch them because that's where the person who's going to kill... I mean, it seems like every tyrant either dies in battle and then they have to have their little figuring out who becomes the new tyrant, which we that was in the in the lore here. Or you, or you die in a challenge. None of these guys die in their sleep. Like literally, no. no. You, it's ridiculous. Um, okay, war engines, lead belchers. <laughs> Why keep the cannons in the back when you can just pick it up and walk it with you? And that's basically what a lead belcher is. It's a glutton who's literally carrying the cannon right into battle. Yeah, I remember when I first saw pictures of those way back when, when GW used to do like the preview images on the website uh-huh. and seeing a bunch of dudes carrying cannons. And that was one of the things that sold me on this army. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just like that has got to be rad. Um, yeah. My favorite little little comment in here, uh, never the most cautious of creatures. Ogres practice a form of fire discipline that would make a veteran Ironweld cannon master blanch with horror. They literally carry the cannons around with them, and then they have the long wick that's on fire just in their teeth. Yeah. And they just lean down, and they just throw anything in here. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever they pick up, they'll fire it. Uh, you know the uh, you know your lead belchers because they are basically covered with scars and burn marks and gunpowder, which is and another... generally deaf. <laughs> deaf, yes. Um, yeah, pretty much, and that's another it's another chance for if not so much conversions as for really theming up your army, getting the you know adding in burns or scar tissue or stuff like that um, on your on your lead belchers, uh, scrap launchers. 
They, uh, you know, those are the Noblar built catapults. They throw fistfuls of metal shards, broken weapons, other things. It's not about accuracy. It's just about when you throw 800 knives in the air. Yeah, they're going to bounce off armor and shields, but a couple of guys are going to die. It's not quality, buddy. It's quantity. Um, my favorite part of this one is where they talk about how if they find weird things, they'll throw weird things in there. Uh, it says uh, they'll add a few unusual items into the mix if they're having fun. Um, and then uh, in the aftermath of the battle, the crew will search the field to see where the unusual objects landed. They collapse in fits of malicious laughter when they see an enemy warrior, for example, with a gargant's toenail embedded in their skull. Yeah, love it. Like, they're just having a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? It's that spiteful maliciousness. But yeah, they're, they're just a bunch a of little jerks. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, they're goblins at heart. They're sort of like bitter, clever, angry little guys, you know? Um, yeah. I do also like how they describe the, the scrap launcher. It's completely ramshackle. And it says, you know, when the, when the, when the Rhinox is charging with this thing, Half of the guys are grabbing stuff and throwing it into the catapult part, and the other half are running around and nailing the boards back down that are coming loose as the thing's yeah. running across the field. It's it just trash. <laughs> it's just so bad. Hey, maybe that's why the this parts of my uh, the model kept uh, falling off every time you tried to pin it or put those little those little spindly uh, rails around the edge Look at of that, that thing. Dave, you are good at conversions. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Those... Yeah, no, I meant to do that. <laughs> Those things were so terrible. Oh, I know, just the worst. But I love I... how they looked. All the little knobs. I had three of my own. Yeah, I had three of my own, and then I commissioned built a number of them too for other people. Oh, good God! Well, see, that's yeah, the I problem. Got... They saw that you could do it well, and they're like, "Forget this. I'll just pay Alex." Yeah, and it was. Awful! I God, really no. hated they, those things. They but don't. I love money for me to do that. That's that they problem so of doing a good fun. job. When you do a good job at work, you get rewarded with more work. more work. Yeah, that is that is the truth. But no, they were so fun, and I ran them when other people just would not even look at them with a ten foot pole, and that doesn't now, even make any sense. And I, I know this strays into our like war. Uh, commentary for next episode, but like, did you find them effective when you ran a bunch of them? Because I know one was pretty much trash. In Old Warhammer, yeah, I used two um, right next to my Tyrant uh, to keep them in line, because they used to charge off at everything back in the days, but um, I got really good with guessing um, with the scrap launchers and you drop two five-inch templates on a block of elite elf infantry, they're going to go away. Yeah. Um, and I rolled a lot of sixes back then. I think I cool. burned out all my luck. Um, <laughs> the current version of them uh, is a little different. Uh, it is very army-specific, so depending on what you're fighting. Yeah. But I think they still have a place because they're still dirt cheap. Yeah, they are. That's true. Yeah, and they did use the big plate, the big pie plate. Uh, yeah, it was a five-inch circular template, and you land that on a block of troops, and they didn't do all that much damage, but if you rolled a six, it auto-killed the model if it was two wounds or less. 
So you hit that a couple of times on one unit. I don't care how good your save is. If you roll a six, you're dead. Yeah, um, yeah you just rain sixes. It was great fun. Great fun. Cool. Cool. Uh, All right, moving on. I was just curious. No, and yeah. last but not least, in the big uh, the Iron Blasters, which is the big giant cannon. Um, I still, I still am curious. I mean, they still they brought over the Sky Titans from the old lore, which I thought was interesting yeah. because that was another thing that I thought was very unique to the old world. And like, nah, Sky Titans were here too. Okay, so we had Sky Titans yeah. here too. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they are, um, but they're pretty cool, and they made big old cannons. Um, I do like that apparently there are some of the original cannons, but there's not that many of them. Only the richest and most powerful tribes have original cannons made by Sky Titans. Everybody else has replicas and stuff made by you know, either maybe uh, Dwarden, or iron weld engineers who have made they've sort of forced captured and forced to make something as close as possible. Yeah. Just knockoffs. Yeah, exactly. Uh the iron blasters are still pretty darn cool though. Um and that was back, you know, back when everything rode on rhinoxes, I guess. So, well, that'd be the iron blaster might not have, but uh the other stuff did. Yep. Um that's that and that's that's most of the uh that is all the Gutbusters. Yeah, that's the Gutbusters. All done. Um, Frost Lords. Um, when we've already talked about these guys, too. You know, uh, the Everwinter gives them power. Um, some, now, here's the, this is interesting. The You know, they talk about them in this first paragraph about who can become a Frost Lords. All are ancient and powerful warriors. Some are even said to recall the time before the coming of chaos. How long do these guys live? Well, it makes me wonder because maybe those dudes got frozen. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why. Oh, it's that's like possible. every now and then they get caught by the, by the Everwinter and they just shut it down for five or six hundred years. Oh, that yeah. yeah, that's possible too. But I mean, these guys almost sound like as long as they keep <clears throat> eating, you know, they'll just keep growing like they're functionally immortal unless you kill them because they don't even seem to starve. No. Like no, it's just crazy. Um, but basically, you know, the the Frost Lords they're in charge of the Beast Claw Raider units, and they uh, they ride on stone horns or thunder tusk. Well. Um, when you when they get challenged for leadership, it's usually by one of their uh, huskards. Yeah, mm-hmm. who are also on a stonehorn or thunder tusk. So they they fight mounted. Yeah, uh, whoever gets knocked off was going to get trampled by the uh, the winner's um, frost uh, you know, stonehorn or or, uh, or or yeah, and then. Not only do, if you fall off do you get trampled by your opponent's beast, but then they eat yours. They, they everybody gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, they eat. If you're Thunder Tusk, if you get knocked off it, they don't take it. They the whole tribe gets to mange because there you go. Um, and apparently they have amazing, re- amazingly resonant voices that carry. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that they can be heard above the storm and everything else over the winds on on top of a, a giant scary mount. Yeah. yeah, and that was kind of a carryover from uh, the Beast Claw book. 
mm-hmm. that was out because they had abilities to be bellowing tyrants and stuff. So that's cool that that's still there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jorobads and Earlbads, and uh, I'm going to hand this over because this is where my notes start to thin out. So I'm going to hand this over to you, bros. Well, we already kind of talked about them. We were breaking down the Beast Claw structure with the Ural Bads being the fighting hand and the eat and the Ural hand being the eating hand. And it's really the same troops in both of those. It's the Hosgards on the Stonehorn that leads them. They're the mightiest warriors after the tyrant and they ride a Stonehorn. And then the Stonehorn, the biggest thing I like about them is how they re like imagined them because before they got their skeleton from eating or in precious gems and stuff like that. But now they have to keep moving. Otherwise their own diet will cause them to solidify. Yeah. They'll lock up and just turn into a statue, which is pretty dope. (laughs) Yeah. But it'd be statue, but then dead as opposed to what it was, where it was, they would turn into a statue, but you could like wake them up. Um, if you got too close, but they ate raw meat back then. So it's a combination. It's a weird dichotomy, but they're essentially just like this massive furry battering ram that isn't afraid of anything. And they just charge at whatever gets close to them. So the ogres on top don't really like direct it. They just kind of steer, hang on and hope for the best. Yeah, that's what I love. It's it's not like it's got a tactical use. It's just like, I don't know, just hold on and we'll get there. Yeah, just you know? aim it. It's huge. Whatever it hits, it's going to hurt. I do like the yeah. fact that ogres who can eat anything have trouble eating stone horns. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like eating a mountain of the hardest granite. Um, you know, and plus they're like that normally that's just you know, an intriguing challenge for a hungry. This is where one of the iron guts challenges the other guy to go eat part of a stone horn because they're that. But it's not just that they're hard to digest and hard to eat. Uh, they're kind of ornery. They're not going to go down easy. You know, and nope. like, yeah, you go up there and try to start taking pieces off of it to eat. It's going to beat you up. Uh, so yeah. it's I just found it interesting when they talk about how these guys have literally eaten mountains. That guy ate an entire uh, an entire uh, overlord, uh, you know, ba- battleship, and uh, yeah, but the stonehorns. That's one. Yeah, maybe that- yeah, he, he eats basically a helicopter, but he can't eat a f- stonehorn. Oh, I did it again! Damn it! It's okay. I'm marking him down. <laughs> that's what I got the beeper for. So many cuckoo clocks, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, this is a this is a good one for me. I've only got two so far. This uh, is three. crazy. Three. Oh. You missed you missed the first F bomb. You rolled right through that and didn't even notice it. I'm like, I got this. I'm not gonna say nothing. Oh, you got the S too. Uh, yeah, oh, I got that one it. too. I got that one too. But that was the one he recognized. Hey, honestly, after that one time back way back in the show after I had uh uh Hastings on, I can edit oh, anything. Man. Yeah, that's because he was fun before he would slip. <laughs> so um yeah, I just think it's crazy that they can't eat this thing. Which, and maybe that's one of the reasons why they chose to ride it. Like, you know, if I, if I can't eat it and it's hard to kill, maybe I could have, fight with it, like alongside well, yeah. it. Much like the Noblars, they don't like eating them, so let's just make the best use of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do we jump on to uh, Mornfang? Yeah, still we good. Mentioned them. Still good. Yep. Yeah, still pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
you know, similar to everything else in the um, Beast Claw list. This is their Cavalry, which was a new addition halfway through, what was it, 8th that they dropped the new Ogre book when we got all the cool monsters? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were like a game changer back then, and they're still pretty good. I mean, they've fallen a little out of favor, but uh, lore-wise, they're, you know, they just need to get around fast. They found these giant things. This is how they roll, pretty much. Like, there's not there's not too much to uh, discover or uh, un- unpack about Mornfang. Remember the uproar when everyone was so mad that they had dumped the Rhinox for this thing? And it's like... Uh, well, because everybody bought the uh, Forge World models. Yeah. I mean, dude, everybody had a bunch of Rhinox riders because they were awesome. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, and they still were, but they were just cheaper and more readily available on the Mornfang. But the Mornfang also was not particularly well received because of the model. Yeah, which in those pictures it suffered from. Oh, look what's coming! Ooh, that's not a the paint job is not how I would do it, and that is not a good angle because I remember hating on it until I saw it in person. I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. It was one of those. Yeah, they were much better. And it was one of the first that they got the real. You started to see some of the creep coming in because the Rhinox was a perfectly good model, and suddenly got this guy who's bigger, tougher, got big horns. It's like, up, got to get it, got to get him looking bigger and badder. Yeah, yeah, and these guys are basically like the iron guts of the uh, of the Beast Claw. Like they they think they're the baddest of the bad. They they scorn anyone who's on foot. Uh, some of them never get off their mounts. They eat on their mounts. They sleep on their mounts. So that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> so we also know that ogres either don't get saddle sores or don't care. Yeah. They got enough cushion. I'm sure they're fine. Oh, yeah. So um, should we jump to the uh, the tour bads? We got a Huskar and a Thundertusk, uh, Thundertusk Beast Riders, Yetis. Uh, ice brow hunters and frost sabers, and then uh, fire bellies and man eaters and gorgers. So let's do this. All right. So uh, Torah bad stuff. Yeah, uh, huskards on thunder tusks are um, basically their their priests. Uh, so they're kind of similar to the slaughter master. I respect that they'll help sort of guide where they're headed or whatever. They're also the ac- access to like priest spells and stuff. Um, for the Beast Claw list. Um, yeah, and they go by numerous names. The Voice of Thunder, Frostborn, or the Blizzard Speaker, which is kind of a dope rap name. <laughs> um, and that's about it, really. They um, they are know, chosen the by the storm itself. If one of the guy dies, the the at when he, after they do whatever they're going to do with him, the storm will actually come and sort of wrap itself, you know, lovingly around... One of the other guys, and even though that the, the Frost Lord is the guy who actually says, "Okay, you're the new one," uh, he does it basically. It, it's not like he's going through deciding who's best. When the one the winter picks, he just confirms. Yeah, yeah, and they ride crazy magical beasts that are focal points of unnatural cold. So, like anywhere around these things, radiates freezing. They can launch like giant snowballs that do a horrific amount of damage in game. Uh, they've got chilling breath attacks. You know, they're 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 pretty sweet. And it gets uh, colder the more of them that there are together. So it's not yes. like you just set it to one temperature. 
It's they make everything around them colder. Yeah, so they're they're pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, and that affects you in all sorts of ways. I mean, not only does that a, a massive amount of cold hurt their enemies, but it actually slows their enemies down as they're slowly sort of freezing, um, which has tons of in-game benefits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. What else? Are we doing the... Uh, we got th- Yetis. Yeah. You have to talk about Yetis. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yetis are easy. They're shrouded in mystery. <laughs> Nobody knows where they really came from. Maybe they're cursed ogres. Maybe not. Um, they are fantastic in-game, and it's unfortunate that uh, you can only get them in Finecast because my buddy Walter has been collecting a ridiculous amount of Yetis the last couple of years and has been doing real well wrecking people with those things. Yeah. Because they, they much like the bulls when you're like, Oh my God, they do that much damage. People forget that these things pile in six inches. Yeah. When we get to the war section, they have a very super useful rule. Yeah. Um, They'll they'll get you, you know, in the old book, they had described these as like some sort of like a weird link to ogres. They didn't really make a whole lot of sense as to why they worked with them. They were just cool models. Boom, boom. Yeah, um, and they were immune to ice magic, which they I were. Never there was saw. one. Unless you were playing against a Kislevist, Kislev list, and they took uh, Zarina Katarina. Um, but that's besides the point. So they're actually like these weird. They're like the children of the storm, is the closest equivalent. Um, and there are some that view them as like Gorkamorka's divine offspring. The War Krakas Ice Clan. We talked about them in the War Clans review. Or the Icebone Clan, I think is what it was called. Um, but they see them as like mystical pseudo-beings. And they don't talk to the ogres except for the Huskard Tor. He's the only one that can understand them and communicate with them. Yeah. Which is also a model shrouded in mystery. So they're, <laughs> they're cool. I can't explain it. It's too mysterious. You're just going to have to it imagine it. Yeah, It does kind of leave you cold, but what are you going to do? Oh, boy. Now you need a new writer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get hunters. Yep. Uh, Ice Prow hunters and uh, frost sabers. What we got? Hunters. Well, we talked about these guys already. Um, you know, they're, they're the spear tip of the uh, beast claws are the ones that go out and do the hunting and find the new hunting grounds for the rest of the raid. Um, they've got an affinity for the saber tusks that they roll with. Other than that, they roll solo. So it's kind of funny that this is like that they're amongst the beast claws. There seems to be these little, little clicks, you know, you've, you've got the Huskard tour who's rolling deep with the Yeti. And then you've got the hunters that are rolling deep with the, uh, the cats. You know who they raise and hand feed and all that stuff. So it's, there's a, there's a there's a definite connection with them and their and their and their and their kitties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've Absolutely. even like intentionally bled them in order to make a potion that they can exhale to unleash a magical blizzard. Yeah. Wow. More okay. cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. With the reinvention of saber tusks as frost sabers. Um, they have like this ice cold blood, so they don't register heat. So, so they don't show up on infrared. Freezing. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. 
like they can the escape. One thing predator can't. Uh, yeah, the one thing predator can't hunt is <laughs> <laughs> a saber tusk. There's a frost saber. Yeah. So, yeah. but they've like learned to bleed them effectively in order to brew this potion that they can freeze things with. So it's pretty cool. So much good yeah. stuff. Um, okay, so now we're at the end of it. The Firebellies, the Maneaters, and the Gorgers, and then we've covered it all. Yeah. Firebellies, real weirdos. So these guys just wander around by themselves, um, connecting themselves to whatever um, clan is you know willing to take them on. Uh, they mostly originate from Ashki, the Realm of Fire. Big surprise. Um, they believe that the creation of the Ashki realm itself was by Gorka Morka eating the red sun and spitting out fire all across the lands. And that's what created the realm of fire, according to them. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, they basically worship, uh, the volcano as like the giant, uh, as a giant maw and, uh, also terribly effective in game. Now they used to be kind of nothing, nothing great, but, uh, now they got their own lore and stuff, and they are pretty sweet. Would you dare say they're the hot new thing? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> I like so, how the, but, uh, the other ogres like them, though. Um, they think they're weird, but they like them there because they always have mastered. They are always. Everything that they make is spicy. They have spiced, yeah. spiced their meat, adding. Seasoned hunks of spit-roasted flesh with salamander scales, minced-up magma droth glands, or other delicious flavors. So here's a guy. This guy not only is he is he good in a scrap, but if one of these shows up and joins your party, you get some exotic tastes going on. Yeah, stuff you don't really don't he just, get. He just lights up Taco Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did give them the new reinvention, like part of their rituals, like how with the butchers and the slaughtermasters, you have to learn how to cook and different ingredients. Their last task is to hunt down a magma droth and eat it and kill it. Well, kill it and eat it. Um, so that even puts them directly into conflict with fire slayers. So a little extra narrative hook. Yes. Uh, man eaters we talked about, they are literally mercenaries. Um, awesome mercenaries, yeah, yeah, uh, big big fan. Yeah, they were really, you know, these they're guys who just go out and they're they're working for coin on top of on top of you know whatever they can eat, and once again, some of the best models in the in not just in this range but in in the game. They're just so good. And in case you're like, oh, where are they? Look at page fifty on your book, and they've got basically the initial five. Well, there were six, or no, there were five. Uh, the girl, uh, there is, were six. The there girl's six. not here. No, she's not. Yeah, I don't. But Bragg uh, the gutsman is now a man eater. And then same with the Golgfag model. Golgfag's a man eater, but yeah, we got the pay, the paymaster, the pirate, the ninja, and the. Is he Araby or? Yeah, the old yeah. Cathayan one, or the old Cathay? Yeah. Yeah, there was also an Empire one. Oh, oh that's right. With the uh, hammer of Sigmar off of a statue that he ripped off. <laughs> Bless you. That's right. I forgot about that. They had the 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 one who was like a look uh, was dressed up like a like in well in drag, and the Empire one, right? Yeah, they had the pirate, the ninja, the <laughs> Empire, the female, 
um, the paymaster and there was one more. Hang on, I'm looking at them right now. So the, the, the one. Empire one, the Cathayan one, the Ninja, the Paymaster, the Pirate, the Girl. Yeah, now Bragg the Gutsman, and then yeah, the special character they had there too, Golfag. I think that's it. Yeah, and then like you could even use the old tyrants that they used to have is probably a man eater now because of the equipment change on a tyrant. So, uh, but. The big thing that I liked out here is they changed the origin of their name because Maneater was related to Golgfag Maneater, which was like the most famous of the Ogre Mercenaries. So they took that honorific title from him in the old world. In Age of Sigmar, it coins back to the first guys to turn on humans during the coming of chaos. Yeah, that's right. After Sigmar locked the gates, there was no. Oh, he's not here to say no anymore, and they, so they started eating peoples again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the first guy on the menu, boys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're 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 some of my favorites in in the in that I've said that plenty of times. I just I love them. Uh, yeah. And then last but certainly not least, Gorgers. Yeah, and well, yeah, we hit on them too. They're, you know, um, this is originally they were, they were cast off uh, ogres or ogres born with no guts. You know, uh, are they effective? I don't know. We'll talk about that next episode. It says that gorgers taste nothing but ash, even when devouring the most delicious scraps of flesh. And that no sooner has a mouthful of bloody meat slipped down their gullet that it dissolves into nothing. Yeah, the, uh, no, no worse fate than being unable to enjoy a good meal. They would rather die than be subjected to the curse that the gorgers seem to be stuck under. Interesting. Yeah, it, they they call it now the empty belly curse. And this is for someone who is displeased. So you're not born a gorger, you become one. Which is an interesting take from what it used to be, because it used to be just like a like we had talked about earlier, it was just a mutant at birth. This is you make yourself one. Huh. Yeah. You're uh, the one ogre who decided to take care of himself. Yeah. <laughs> they were driven and feral and mad by the hunger because they can't eat. Uh, they're caged up and kept off to the side. And the only people who can talk to them are the butchers. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. They're despised and looked down upon by all right-thinking ogres, but that doesn't mean they're useless. They can throw them in as shock troops. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sneezing tonight. Well, that's... I think we hit it. That's everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we did it, guys. Yeah. There's... I, like I said, for, for for one theme being repeated over and over again, they really did a great job with making everything stand out a little bit on in its own way. Yeah. I was really pleased with that. So. Yeah, me too. It was kind of like when you covered the corn book and you thought it was just all going to be blood for the blood god. And you're like, oh, wait, there's actually different paths and different things you can do. And there's more. And skulls depth. with the skull thrown. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was much more, you know, here than I was expecting. Dare I say there was much more meat on the bone. 
Oh, my God. Someone's got to finish it up. So, um, well, I guess this is it. We're going to wrap this up, and then we'll be back with... Um, We'll be back with the uh, war segment in, in probably a day or two. So, uh, yep. folks, we'll be back. Enjoy this. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on. You're going to be on for the war segment when we do that uh, that part next. That is the plan, my man. Excellent. Alex, you'll be here again as well. And, yeah. Uh, good. Thank you. And, I mean, uh, if you can stomach having me. <sighs> oh, boy. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we can't. <laughs> no. uh, you you know. don't have the guts? Oh, God. Goodness right, gracious. You got to sign off. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're going to stop this, folks. Until until we come back with the war segment, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. <laughs>